everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you're brand new to this show, this show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. I just realized I don't need my headphones on, and my hair is crazy because it's, you know, as of this recording, it is now Thursday morning, um, and we've just had a election. It's been a little bit crazy. Um, so anyways, uh, so this show's all about a little one card game called Magic the Gathering. Uh, Magic with Zuby, that's what I do. Talk about magic, and... God, I feel like my hair is turning gray even more as we speak, and I'm losing my hair, which good, you know. I don't, I wouldn't even mind going bald. Let me, let myself go bald. Um, anyway, so we have an awesome show for you tonight. A pretty long one. Um, we brought on none other than Kendra Smith, aka the Maverick Girl, or on Twitter, the Maverick Gal, and we had just an awesome time talking about shit, everything. The time of the episode went by so fast, like. I had to look at the time and I'm like, whoa, we got to stop. <laughs> and then even after we stopped recording, we still talked for like another half hour. Um, this episode could have easily have gone almost four hours or even longer. It's just we had so much stuff to talk about and I couldn't. Um, it was fun. Like if I was recording this on a weekend or something, we would have kept going. But unfortunately, I had to stop at some point because, you know, I've got work and I got to wake up in the morning at some point and just go from there. Um, so anyways, uh, before we begin, uh, let's get some announcements out of the way. Uh, you can help support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash Uh, you can find the show also on iTunes, Google play, Stitcher, TuneIn radio and Spotify and Amazon music and, uh, on YouTube as well. And you can also reach out to me on Twitter at magic on Instagram at magic underscore with underscore Zuby. And you can email me with any questions you may have at mtgzuby at gmail.com and you can, uh, I think that's about it. All right. Sorry. I'm just a little tired and loopy right now. Just trying to record this. So, uh, also check out my new sponsor, cardsphere.com. Cardsphere is awesome. Really awesome. And check them out and do it, do it. I dare you. Um, and then we got one more quick little ad and then we will get on with the interview with Kendra. And that is how you beat the latest standard meta with Abzan. Ugh, it feels like there's no magic content out there for someone like me. Someone who doesn't want to be competitive. Someone who is... Who is... a normie? Yeah, exactly! A normie! Well, have I got the show for you. The all-new Magic for Normie show. Hi, I'm Pixie. And I'm Zuby. Together, we host the all-new Magic, magic for, for Normies! normies. It is the Magic the Gathering show for all your normie needs. We don't care what deck got into the top eight or what deck is winning. We care about having fun playing Magic. That's right, Pixie. You can watch us on Pixie's Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash pixiekittenplays and catch the VOD on our YouTube channel, pixiekittenplays. If audio is your thing, you can find episodes on the Magic with Zuby RSS feed. Do-do-do-do-do. Magic for normies. All right. Hey, uh, Kendra, uh, you're back. It's been like two years. Yeah, I am. And it has really. <laughs> it, it, it's it's, it's been two right? years. Yeah. I, I ha- it happened because it was like around the time of uh, uh, GP Orlando and yeah. Atlanta. Yeah, because wow. it was 2018, the summer of 2018, you were last wow. on. And yeah. It's, um, it doesn't even feel that long. But yet this year, all simultaneously feels like five years but yet not quite a year yeah 2020 is the longest century ever <laughs> so we're both in florida um so that we're 
we're recording this uh, on Wednesday, so this will come out this Friday. So we don't. Well, hopefully, there'll be more news by Friday as to this whole election. And I, I do apologize for my listeners, viewers out there. Where I mean, I have been talking more politics lately this year, but I can probably assume this will probably be a little bit politic heavy because it's like what pretty much on our minds like crazy right now right it's you know the election just happened just happened yesterday so like everybody's losing their minds like it doesn't matter what side you're on where you your beliefs and ideals stand like it's just at the forefront of everything right now like people outside of the united states are losing their minds about it so yeah did did you see that zimbabwe it will possibly put sanctions on the U.S. if, like, Donald Trump does more fuckery with the with the whole election process? No. So it, that That's how serious it's gotten. We've got... I mean, I know Zimbabwe isn't a major world player in the, right. in the grand scheme of things, but that's... It's gotten to that point where we've got countries like that that are going to put sanctions on our, on our country, where it's like, yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> it's unreal, but, you know... I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Like I feel like these last couple of days have actually been solid for me. The well, lead up was a little. The lead up was a little rough, but yeah. actually, as it turns out, um, I work uh, 11 a.m. to nine or to 8 p.m. So like, I actually just gotten home right before we started recording this. <laughs> like, yeah. I basically like, I got home. I sat in. You know, I pulled out. Uh, you know, some pizza, leftover pizza I had out of the fridge, and I'm like, I'm just going to eat something really quick. And like, as soon as I sat down on my desk, uh, I got a message just like, hey, I'm ready to go whenever you are. So it's like, you know, <laughs> barely any time. But that was really good yesterday because the brunt of where everything was happening was you were at work. I was at work. Oh, that's good, and at least. So, you know, I'm not sitting there looking at my phone or anything. I'm not checking Twitter cr- like crazy. I'm not doom scrolling. And so we, um, I actually work at a game store. I, you know, I'm on the Cool Stuff Inc. buy team. So I literally just sat there sorting cards and, you know, bullshitting with my coworkers about like Commander Legends the entire day. And I was like, so when, I, I don't know, when I got home, I felt like, you know, there was definitely like a hanging sort of like anxiety. Yeah. Like there's, of course, just going to be, you know. But, um, but like, felt like kind of calm like kind of like chill i don't know like, oh that's good that's good I, i've been while. i've been fucking yeah. insane like with anxiety and especially oh, yeah. today like today was a lot worse because you know i work at home now and i'm trying so hard to focus on my job yet throughout the day i'm just checking election results like what the fuck is happening what's happening and yeah. it's like oh god i mean this has been sort of unprecedented. This has been a time like very, very strange times we're mm-hmm. going through right now where, you know, right before we were recording, we were saying, you know, even though it looks like Biden may win, it's still worrisome because we don't know what the hell is going to happen. So Biden wins, but then what the hell is Trump going to do to try to stop that? Yeah. And that's the thing. You just don't know what's going to happen. Everything's kind of up in the air. But, you know, the way I've just been trying to treat it is, like, frankly, everything's been up in the air this year. Like, Right. 
I haven't been been actually like talking with you necessarily as much, so I don't know how it's been for you. I'm I'm assuming it's been a little rough, but like my mental health has just been trashed this entire year. Like I've just dealt with severe anxiety problems, um, a lot of you know a decent you know a little bit of depression, just because like um, you know it's been tough. You know every you know it's hard to go out and do stuff, especially for people like you know us. We're in the whole magic scene and everything. You can't go to events anymore. You can't do anything. Hell no. And, and you know, with Florida, I mean, we're both in Florida. Um, mm-hmm. And you moved over because last time I talked to you, you were just about to move. You're back in the Orlando area? I am. Okay. So the long story short there is I had a really bad living situation with my last roommates. Yeah. And, um, and uh, it turned out like they were like oh we're gonna move out of this apartment complex because they're raising the rent again we don't like Mm -hmm. that and they're getting tired of it and they're like well the guy that we are that one of my roommates had worked for flips houses for a living and he was like well we could just rent one of those and i was like okay sure if it's like all put together it's fine yeah but then i walked in there and like windows are broken uh there's like clear water damage on walls and just it was, it was a nightmare i like walked in oh jeez looked around took a look around my roommate walked in i thought i actually like, just went off at him just you know um a week or two after i uh, moved in uh my floor flooded in my bedroom oh and god their, and their answer and their response to taking care of that was to build to dig a trench outside the house like it was just a mess. What? Yeah, exactly. And, what? And so, so, um, so basically, I was just like, um, at at the start of the pandemic, it was um, my uh, uh between I was actually bouncing back and forth between Orlando and Tampa. Yeah, I, my, I remember I that. Come back. I would come back up for the week. Uh, to do my you know job and everything, but after that I go back to Tampa because I didn't know if we we're gonna go to the lockdown. I didn't know what was gonna happen. Yeah. And eventually, just my anxiety got so bad um, that I ended up just leaving temper you know for a time, and actually moved back to Tampa completely for uh, a few months while I kind of stabilized myself, got myself back to a little bit of a um, stable place mentally, even though you mm-hmm. know. I still have bad days, obviously. I mean, oh, yeah. Right yeah. Now. 2020's in a mess, and it's going to, frankly, I don't like to think about it, but it's going to continue in the next year. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I managed to, you know, get all that together, and then I moved back here, and I'm back with my job again. So, oh, that's good. Um, that's awesome. You know, it's, it's good. I don't necessarily live in the best area, but, you know, at least, you know, I'm out on my own here. I don't have to deal with garbage roommates you, or anything. So You've got a roof over your head. I mean, that's the... Exactly. It, it, it could be way worse, and it, it's that's what I've been really trying to learn and adapt this year is just count your blessings. It's um, Exactly. You, you know, the one thing that's definitely helped me get through this year is, like, the advent of Spell Table. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God, because I have never played so much magic, like paper magic before, after, yeah. b- before this year. My problem has been that I tend to like bounce around my setups a lot. So it's like yeah. hard for me to like 
get a consistently stable uh, you know set up my schedules kind of everywhere because I not only do my day job but I essentially do two other gigs on the side including my articles that I write once a week which yeah takes a few hours a week um, and so it's just uh, you know it, it can be a lot but I definitely feel that because it's like um, kind of going back to what we were saying before like uh, it's just hard with no like events. You know, I can't go to my store and see friends. I can't go and play, sit down yeah. and play a game of cards and just pick up with friends. I've got my, even my coworkers and my friend, you know, people I, I work with on a daily basis and I know they're healthy. Even them, we we're just like, I would I have a cube that's sitting over here um, on my, you know, <laughs> thing. And I'm like, it's a really nice cube, you know, really nice you know decently powered up cube and i want i really want to draft it but i can't draft it you know nobody wants to get together and hang out and do a draft and we'd rather all rather be safe so it's just it's really hard and you know I, I i recognize as well there was like some discussion as well with just all the back and forth drama with all uh you know like magic twitter and all the other stuff with all the nonsense that's happened in the last few months with uh watsy and the products and power creep and oh yeah yeah and, yeah and oh, there's just been so much infighting with everything yeah when isn't there especially this year with the infighting with magic twitter it's been god right so so my, my whole thing has been like um you know i've seen people who are like well clearly you've just made magic your entire personality and now you're struggling because of that well mm, Got some problems with that. So, like, for me personally, one of the things that I would do if I needed to, like, get away and do something other than, like, magic or something like that, mm -hmm. I would go to the movies. And, like, I'm not, yeah. I'm the kind of person that I can sit down and watch a movie at home, but I really like the experience, even if it's expensive. I like the experience of actually going to a movie theater, yep. sitting down, getting some popcorn. Oh, me too. I love it. I love it. And I just couldn't do that. Now, yeah, and we can't do that now. And it's like, it's, yeah, yeah. So I, I've actually opened up a little more to doing that, but doing it, being cautious about it. Um, oh, I they actually, actually have movie theaters open over there or? Yes. Oh, we like, because I live right north of Tampa. We have nothing open yeah, right the, now. Yeah, the AMCs are open up here. But, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> but they, so, so here's what happened, okay? AMCs all have reserved seating. Yeah. So what I was able to do is I really wanted to see Akira in theaters because they brought it back for like a 30, 40th anniversary or something like that. And is it just a, like a remastered or something or, or yeah, like upscaled? Four, uh, 40K uh, or 40K, 4K <laughs> uh, remaster. Okay. So, okay. Um, and it was, you know, it was just a really big spectacle and it was like, that's one of my favorite animated films of all time. I think the animation is, is the animation is so masterful in it. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to like experience that visual feast on the big screen. That's been like one of my like white whale films to see in theaters for years. And so I really didn't want to miss the opportunity. So I was, I was watching the reserve seatings in mm -hmm. the auditorium and there was either like no one, or like one or two people. So I was like, okay, I'll go to that. You know, because I was also watching some of the other ones too. And like they had Empire Strikes Back briefly for a few weeks in theaters. 
and I was watching Dollar Tree and that, and I was like, well, those are getting a little more full. And I yeah, yeah. Do that. But what they do is they, um, you'll have your seat, and they'll block all of the seats around you. Oh, that's not bad at all, so, then. Yeah, so they have like a maximum like forty percent capacity of their normal auditorium size, and they've got not in the auditorium itself, but like outside the auditorium. They've got like hand sanitizer everywhere. They have disposable wipes everywhere. So if you want to take wipes with you, you know, um, you can like pre-order your food online. So they just hand it to you. I had only two direct in-person experiences with other people. The other thing is too, frankly, nobody wants to go to the movies right now. So you're just not going to interact with much people. But, um, uh, but like I had a good time. You know, oh, that's I got awesome. some popcorn. I got to enjoy myself. I saw a good movie. And it felt like just a small try of normalcy. It's not something I would always do all the time, but like it's just, you know, where I would do that all the time. That was my way to decompress. Or I oh yeah, like, oh yeah. I would go to a con like a rock concert. Obviously, I'm a big metalhead and punk. Yeah. So like I would go to like a lot of shows and just mosh around and vent and have a good time. Can't do that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. God, yeah. When are when are even concerts even coming back at all? Right. I mean, so it's just like you know, I, I've seen a lot of those arguments of like, oh, you've just made magic your whole personality. It's like, well, no. There's just a lot of things that people would do to you know, aside from that, that you just can't right now. Like you just can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much at a point where Florida, for the most part, feels completely opened back up. Um, and you know, I, I don't know how it is in Orlando, but I mean, y- you saw it in Tampa. I mean, people here act like the pandemic's completely over and all mm-hmm. that. See like so many people not wearing masks and all that. Oh yeah. Um, I've definitely seen a lot more of that here. The Publix, which is the, the grocery store here in Florida. Yeah. Um, I walked into a Publix recently cause I, uh, you know, get the money orders for my rent there mm-hmm. and, uh, I went just to go, you know, get that done, and I ran to like ten people without masks, and I'm like, "What the hell?" Oh yeah, that's not uncommon at all. Um, just so I mean, like the only thing that I'm missing is like what you said, movies. Um, the wife and I went to Clearwater Beach a couple weeks ago, oh. and it was pretty packed, but um, it. It was packed, but it was there's enough space outside to where you're able to stay away from people. And we just right. went there to go to the sunset, and we stopped at a restaurant, um, and it was just such a good time. It was really yeah. fun. But if you can like, if you take the precautions, you prepare yeah. for it appropriately, and you do it right, then you could still have a good, you know, a fun time. But it's just it's so much more difficult these days. And like, even when you do go to those, like going to the movies, I I'm prepared for it. I'm still having a good time, but there's always that small little thing in the back of your mind where you're like, man, am I fucking up? Am I going to get, am I going to get this? You know? Oh yeah. And and you don't know. And it's scary. Oh yeah. It, It is like, you know, we, we just sent my youngest back to school, uh, today. And, um, cause we had started doing her online learning and yeah. I got to say, online le- learning for her age, because she's in fifth grade right now, it's utter trash. It's oh, utterly yeah. terrible. But for my oldest, who's in high school, it's fine. It's like doing online college classes, right. essentially. So I it, did virtual school when I was younger, and it, I had, for the most part, a good experience. My uh, One yeah. of my teachers was uh, 
snapped off at me one time and used the excuse, well, I'm pregnant. And I was like, <laughs> but, but when you're, when you're older that age, like, you know, 16, 17, it feels a little right. bit easier, but for like a nine, 10, 11 year old, it's, it's trash. Exactly. Like, so, you know, and once you're in like that high school, even middle school to an extent, like, you know, you have yeah. enough attention and enough focus, enough maturity that you can like yeah. be a part of that. And when, but when you are like in that elementary school kind of, you know, mm, I don't know about that so much. I got to tell you, Kendra, that was such a hard decision for my wife and I to even make just to. Oh, I believe it. Because we were both going back and forth. Like, we want her to get a good education, but she's floundering so bad in online school. And we're like, we got to send her back. But it's like, what if she gets sick? It's like, but then we can't keep her from failing school. And it's like, oh, God, it fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. Yeah, it, shitty situation. It's been it's been quite a year. It's been, um, I mean, j- just like you said, we haven't talked a while. Um, pretty much. I mean, I've been working from home since last summer, so my work situation hasn't really changed. And I'm in healthcare. So back in like mm-hmm. March, April, May, we... But my my job is more elective stuff than, mm-hmm. you know, necessary surgeries and all that. So we slowed down completely during like March, April, May, and I had like nothing right. to do at all. And I'm getting worried like shit or am I going to get fired or, you know, anything right. like you that? You feel like you're just not doing enough of a job or a good enough of a job or something. And yeah. You just don't know what's coming. And, and my boss just told me, oh, don't worry. You know, you're fine. You're fine. You're not you're not getting let go. J- just hang back, relax during the months. And I'm like, I can't, I can't sit here, do nothing and then get paid for it. I'm going crazy. Like I need something to do. Right. <laughs> Cause there's nothing else to do. <laughs> right. It's, it's been wild. I mean, that yeah. was even the case for me. Um, and, and the whole reason I actually, uh, left, you know, when I did at the beginning of the pandemic, well, first off, obviously it was the uncertainty and the fact <clears throat> that I was just bouncing around everywhere and did it was kind of like I just didn't know where I was going to land. Yeah. So there was just so much uncertainty that was like causing so much anxiety that eventually I got pulled off to the side and was like, are, are you okay? Like, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I figured, okay, well I'll take this, you know, uh, time away. You know, if they want me back, they, you know, can obviously reach out to me, um, which they did eventually. And, That's uh, good. um, but I figured the way I saw it was, uh, you know, I could get by doing streaming and everything, right? And playing Magic and having a good time because I've been wanting to really dive back into Magic again. Mm-hmm. And um, because I actually haven't been playing as much, you know, I know you know me as more of a the a, you know competitive grinder type. Yep. But I've actually been having a tougher time with that in the last year or so, uh, both from the standpoint of workload and just general anxiety from playing the game. Uh, just being a content creator, you catch so much flack and so much negativity, and um, and it was actually just causing my anxiety about even just playing the game at a base level to like rise and rise steadily until it got to a point where it was kind of unbearable. And I was like, okay, this is fine. I'll give myself some time away from the work, take some time, learn to play Magic, and get a little bit better while still doing my side work and everything. Well. This all happened right before a Coriolis Behemoths came out. Oh, God. And so what that means <laughs> is once I actually finally got to a point where I was stable and set up, 
um, and moved in, you know, I gave myself like a week or two to kind of set everything up and get ready. Mm-hmm. And then I said, okay, well, I'm going to sit down and we're going to learn this. And Ikoria just came out and Companions. Yeah, because w- what what formats were you trying to play? Because I remember you playing a lot of Popper and Modern. Uh, I was playing everything. Okay. I, um, I even played Vintage for a little bit there. Oh, damn. Like, I, I tried a little bit. <laughs> vintage. I, so I, I did Lurus Vintage. Like, it was oh, wild. Oh, gross. Lurus. I, I played Lurus Shops. So I played Ravager Shops oh. Lurus. And I went three and two in my first ever league. That was, <laughs> I don't know. At least I could say that about vintage. You know, it was my first ever time, and um, you know, had had a pretty good time with it. But um, uh, but I was playing everything. I played Legacy. I played Pioneer. I actually played a lot of Pioneer at the time. Um, but the problem was like it was just the the meta games were just everything was companions. Standard was just yeah. a dumpster fire. Like st- obviously now standards only just gotten pretty good now that we've banned on that. God and standard has been such a shit show this past year. It, yeah. It's this is unprecedented in the amount of bans they've had to do in standard. Yeah. It, it's insanity. Like it, it's argue. I think people have done the numbers and this is like more than we're even banned Urza. Yeah. Like it, it's ridiculous. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, didn't they say like fifty? like over 50 something percent of the banned cards in standard have been from this year or, or the past year, I should say. Yeah. Something like that. Cause like, or, or, or the, or the past three years, I should say, cause, yeah. cause the standard bannings didn't start happening until tw- like early 2017 with, with Emrakul reflector mage. 2016. And was it? No. No, I think it was yeah, early twenty seventeen. Actually, yeah. Yeah, because it was. I remember it was Emrakul, Reflector Mage, and Smuggler's Copter. Because that was right, right before Eldrazi Winter started. Because Kaladesh came out in twenty sixteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Track. And and because I remember shortly after that, uh, Eldrazi Winter started in modern. No, Eldrazi Winter was actually before that. Oh, was it? Eldrazi Winter was the year prior. Okay, okay. Was that also the year that Splinter Twin got banned too? And yeah. then Eldrazi Winter started? Right. Because it went um uh in twenty fifteen they put out Oath of the Gatewatch. Yeah. And, or, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because Oath of the Gatewatch was January of that year, which is why it was uh Eldrazi Winter. And then it was Shadows Over Innistrad, Eldritch Moon, and then Kaladesh. Oh, no, that would have been 2016, because didn't Kaladesh come out 2016? Kaladesh came out in 2016, but so, at the end of 2016. So the actual bans happened with Aether Revolt, which was 2017. Yeah, yeah, for standard, and then... Okay. Ugh, whatever. I, they, I can't keep up with they, it. And then that was when they changed the whole thing for... We're gonna do instead of doing it every set release, we're doing it every set release in every pro tour. So, um, oh yeah, because I think that was because of the Eldrazi Winter specifically, uh, was because Eldrazi Winter messed things up so badly that they needed a faster reaction time. Um, oh man! And then shortly after that, we had Splinter Twin in Standard for like what, not even a month or something. 
Yeah, because then what they did is they uh, it was after the Pro Tour for Aether Revolt yeah. that they banned it. Actually, no, they didn't ban it, and then they uh, provided an addendum. Or yeah. Yeah, yeah. They didn't ban it. Then they banned it. What, like a week or two later, or something no, like that. Two, two days later. Oh, two days later. Oh God, it's like I, I loved how when they were spoiling Aether Revolt, everyone in the community said, "Oh, Splinter Twins back," because yeah, when that cat like, was spoiled, and when it was like. <laughs> <laughs> like what uh, <laughs> like uh we totally didn't see this like oh shit um, yeah because the, the, the funny thing was with the 2015 one was because they banned wasn't it that they banned eye of ugin and splinter twin i don't remember how that works no i thought splinter I, twin was first and then that brought eldrazi winter i don't remember what i do remember is that elder or that splinter twin was banned right before the release or like shortly before the release of modern masters 2015 and then it was included in modern masters 2015 yeah it just been banned <clears throat> so everybody was like lol it's like they should just unban splinter twin again at, at, the, at this point i mean i don't follow modern's meta at all anymore because yeah. I, I i sold out of it a year was it last year i think yeah. um i can't remember now um but I'll be honest with you like I'm looking at everything now. Everything is so fast in every format that it's just like the whole thing that was they didn't want to make it like feel like legacy, which is why they printed Force of Negation instead of Force of Will. But we're at the point where I kind of just feel like we probably should have just had Force of Will, like flat out. It w would Force of Will even be that strong right now in right, modern? Like, <laughs> like, it would be good. And it would definitely oh, change yeah. the landscape of things, but like. Then there's because you got to think about the ripple effect of putting force of negation into legacy as well and vintage. Like now, you're not just running four force of wills, you're running four force of wills and a force of negation or two. Yeah, so like then that's adding to that as well. And it's like, did we really need this? Did you know, could we not have just had force of will? Like, force of will is definitely better by a lot, but like mm -hmm. it might have just arguably been better in the long term. Because like now everything's super fast. We even have Belcher in modern. Belcher in modern. What? What the we, hell? There, there is. Yeah, you haven't heard that. Like I said, yeah. I stopped following the modern meta after Modern Horizons. Cause last thing I remember was like right. Hogak taking over the format, and then that got banned. Right. So basically, what happened? Um, the modal double face cards mm -hmm. from Zendikar Rising, because the lands are on the back. If you play Belcher. And you only your only lands are those double face uh, lands. Okay. Uh, so the lands are on the back and the spell is on the front. And you play Belcher, you have no lands in your deck, so you flip over your deck when you activate Belcher. Oh, <laughs> shit! So so only playing the double face lands. Wow. Yeah, you, you play <laughs> the spell once, so like yeah, 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 and um. Uh, Balagad, uh, Reclamation, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, Agony's Awakening, those, those kind of things. Uh, Shatter Skulls, Smashing. Yeah, yeah. So, like, those are your lands. And then, obviously, Holy you're running crap. the Spirit Guides, you're running Iron Crag Feet, because Iron Crag Feet makes seven mana, and then you oh, just do yeah, that. Yeah. You just play that and then cast Charbelter and activate it. Oh my gosh, that's disgusting. Wow. Yeah. And because, you know, you have no lands, you just flip over your entire deck and you just win. 
Uh, Oops All Spells is a deck as well. In modern? Yeah, because of that as well. Oh my god. (laughs) Holy crap. You play World's Fine Worm so that you don't mill yourself. You don't deck out. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I remember that was a deck in Legacy when I used to play a lot of Legacy. and It's really good in Legacy right now, too. So I actually played a Turtle Weekend. God, what was it now? Two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Mm Mm-hmm. I was an illusion. I, I don't know. Um, but I played that a few weeks ago with 7-3 in it. Had a good time. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. 53rd, I think, in a capped event. It was 672 players in 10 rounds. That's not but bad. The undefeated player, who was one of my losses, um, at the end, uh, the single undefeated player at the end of the Swiss was playing Oops All Spells. Wasn't that the guy who got caught cheating or something, too? No. No, that was vintage. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. That one was really disappointing. Wow. And I, I, I've, I actually know Andres. I've uh, interacted with him frequently, and he is uh, actually, by all means, like a nice guy. But eh. so, so what happened with that? Like, I just saw pretty much the headline. Like, he got caught cheating. Like, what did he do? Do you know? He. I think he asked his opponent to concede to him. Oh. Just, just, just asking for the concession, you know, because of the way the standings worked and everything. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit, there is a little bit of an honor system that happens sometimes. I'm, I'm going to be upfront and say that he actually scooped a game to me one time in Popper where he had lethal on board. Um, and he did it because he realized that. He wouldn't be able to make top eight, but I had a shot at it. So yeah. he just did it as a good gesture. There was no, you know, hey, if you give me this, I'll do that. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. He just offered it, and I said, okay. <laughs> and, um, uh, but I guess here he uh, asked for the concession, asked, you know, because he has a better shot at top eight. And then the opponent was like, give me 25 chess and I'll scoop. Oh. And, he said, and, he, and so he replied like, hey, switch to Twitter DMs. The problem was that his opponent here was streaming the whole time. Oh, dang. So, so the chat was visible. Twitter DMs were visible. Everything was pulled up. Oh, God. So people took screenshots of all the discussions. And yeah. then, he, uh, I guess, Magic Online did an investigation. They haven't said anything officially because they don't comment on uh, investigations publicly. Yeah. But obviously they had to inform the people who became winners as a result and got an increase in prizes um, that, you know, their things had changed. And uh, the person who had originally gotten third place was now second place. And he, uh, Brian Koval, he's an excellent person, by the way. And he uh, tweeted out on Twitter and saying, you know, oh, look, I got, I'm up to second place now due to a DQ. Wonder who that could have been. So, <laughs> oh, um, you know, Andres has been quiet on Twitter. Uh, I haven't heard anything from him. No, nobody has, as far as I'm aware, really. Oh, so, like, damn. who know? I, who really knows what's going on there? You know, he might have been banned. He might not have been. Who knows? So, wow. um, it's unfortunate. But, um, shit, I, I, I guess the moral of the story is one, don't cheat. Don't cheat. And two, if you are, 
don't stream don't be streaming yeah <laughs> there was the same when i was in high school by our principal at the time now i apparently missed this era era but all my classmates would tell me about it frequently and the principal had a saying that saying was don't do stupid don't do <laughs> and stupid it's, and it's and, and you know what she's right <laughs> Don't do stupid. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> well, well, shit. So you're still writing for cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how's that been going? You, you've been with cool stuff for a while now, and yeah, uh, a little over two years at this point. Uh, two years and a little over a month now. Oh, that's so, awesome. Like, what is that? Twenty five months. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have an article like every month. I, you know, I write pretty consistently and talk about a lot of things. Uh, obviously, I started with Popper just because that was kind of like the format yep. that I had gotten known for and gotten you know, a lot of attention for um, because that's what I played. And I, I I didn't go back and rewatch our previous thing. I don't know if you did to like catch up on any notes or anything. but um, So I don't know if I actually covered this whole thing. But the whole reason I got into Popper was because basically I had actually sold out of all of my other stuff that I had played previously. Yeah, I think I remember you telling me that, yeah. Where I played numerous legacy decks. I At one point, I owned five legacy decks. Um, they weren't all great decks, but I owned five mm-hmm. legacy decks. And um, what did I have? I had Maverick, High Tide, Cheerios, because that was a funny little deck. Oh, that's Burn, a fun deck. Yeah, Burn, Is It Delver... Ooh, and I actually did have another one. Yeah, I had Affinity, because Affinity was playable at the time. Um, and it still shows up here and there, but like really it was a, an actual deck back then. Yeah. And um so you know, I had numerous decks, and I had a couple modern decks, I had all this other stuff, but I sold it, you know, because I uh, my my life situation, my work situation changed so that I couldn't actually play events anymore. Yeah. At the time. And um and so I sold all like all of my stuff and like whatever and uh, you know got frustrated with the game cuz I think it was right around uh Battle for Zendikar ish time mm-hmm. period. Um that was when like standard decks were like $1000. Oh god, yeah. Um four color rally and black right, chess guy. Okay. I love those decks, but it was just, it was hard for me to keep up with them. I couldn't play it very actively. Um, Magic Online was doing some very frustrating things with how they were running their tournaments at the time because this was before leagues started. It was yeah. like right before, like, leagues started, I think, around when Oath of the Gatewatch came out. Okay. If I recall correctly. I'm and I'm um, going to go with saying, okay, <laughs> I'll believe you. I don't know. I wasn't playing back then. Or Magic Online back then. Yeah, I think it was because then I moved because it was like right after I moved back to Tampa, which was around right. I was right around when Shadows Over Innistrad came out, mm-hmm. and I remember that I would get uh, booster packs from Oath of the Gatewatch by playing Popper events. So, because that was before Treasure Chests. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I. I uh, that was this was before leagues, really, and they used to have daily events. And I don't I know if you remember yeah. those. No, I do remember those. So, um, so for those of you who don't remember um, or were you know not playing Magic at the time, 
daily events were pre-scheduled uh, events. They would have numerous ones every day, and they were four-round events. And what you do is you it costs six tickets to enter, so six dollars to enter these tournaments. You played four rounds, and if you went three and one, you got like seven booster packs, and if you went four and oh, you got like twelve or thirteen packs. So it was like very good value. And uh, and then they eventually bumped the price up to twelve tickets, a, a thing, and. Attendance dropped sharply. Obviously, oh you know, people yeah, weren't, people weren't as willing to shell out that much um, for a lot of these things, even though they did obviously bring the prizes up a little bit. Because one of the things that they were concerned with was that so many people were playing a lot of these that actually like plummeted the value of the booster packs. Oh, dang. if I remember correctly, there was a point where like in standard booster packs you could buy for one and a half tickets and it was like that's in standard you can take those packs and draft with them yeah i remember that like so it was basically like wizards was like just hemorrhaging money at that point essentially and so they were trying to figure out ways to stem that bleeding and eventually their answer came in the form of treasure chests which actually worked and that did a really good job it brought back up the price of booster packs um hell even finding recent standard ones i should actually have uh, thing up and I, oh I have GoatBots up right now already um, I normally use Card Hoarder but like it's uh, GoatBots is easy for me we like to look at prices oh okay uh, but like and if people aren't aware GoatBots and Card Hoarder are both bots that are used by Magic Online right to like so, buy trade sell cards right and they're fantastic War of the Spark is two seventy nine for to buy for a booster pack so pretty close to your average booster pack price yeah Ferris Beyond Death is 3.32 tickets, and that's because Uro is in there, obviously, so you have a higher chance of value. Zendikar Rising currently is $3.26. So, like, you know, these are actually, like, decent prices. Some of them are lower. Radical yeah. Allegiance is a dollar, like, a, basically a dollar, but it's no longer in standard. It doesn't really have a lot of big hitters. You know, in paper, Shocklands are your big attraction to those, but they're not really worth anything online. They've been in opened added infinitum, Oh, especially yeah. with the treasure chests, you know, they're just readily available. So it's not as, you know, reliable with those. But the treasure chests mitigated, you know, and, and siphoned off of a lot of, like, the value that was being lost by those booster packs. Mm-hmm. So it really helped uh, take care, you know, deal with a lot of those problems. But what they did was they actually at one point took away leagues completely. They were gone. Okay. Didn't exist. And this was before. Or I'm sorry. Did I say leagues? I meant dailies. Yeah. Um. They they took away dailies. Okay. Dailies were okay. Gone. Um, yeah, I remember that. And and what they did instead was they didn't they didn't have leagues yet, and they didn't have challenges yet. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they had legacy challenge as a way to make up for the fact that. Um, they weren't really giving legacy any other things, and then I eventually branched out into the other formats. But at the time, it was just um, if you want to play any of these formats, you had to play an eight-man uh, single elimination event that just fired when you got eight people. But it cost like ten tickets to enter, and if you lost your first round, you were just out, done. So you just didn't really get a good experience yeah. out of it. 
you know, I got burned really hard on that a few times. And yeah, I was definitely just like, don't, don't get your money's worth on that. Right. So I was just like, I just, mm, I wasn't a fan of it. And so, uh, my lighting's my lighting is all over the place here. No, no you're fine. You're fine. Opening and closing windows. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm seeing it. And I'm like, uh, but um, but you know, it, it made it so much harder to like stand in on that and, and want to be in on that, and it just frustrated me. Your card values were all over the place at the time, especially because Cod Tarkir just came out, um, and then they had announced the. Uh, uh, the masterpieces, because that was when the expedition started. So, yep. like, while you're you were still in the most expensive standard format, like in years, the cards like had no real value to them either. So it was just like, eh, why am I? You know, it was like all of that, and I think there was one other reason I can't remember what, but like, it was just a lot of things that frustrated me. So like, I just kind of sold my entire collection at the time. And when I got back into uh, the game, I wanted to get back into it. I realized, oh, I'm not in college anymore where I just don't have to worry about bills. Now right. I've got to pay rent. Now I've got to <laughs> pay my utilities. Now I've got, you know. Life has hit. Um, I have student loans, you know. So, um, oh, I can't play these anymore because uh, I can't spend $1,000 on a deck like I would previously. Yeah. And, um, and so I resorted to Popper as a result of that and just ended up getting really good at Popper. But, you know, that kind of pigeonholed me for a little bit uh, with my articles and all that, going back to that. And, um, you know, I was kind of doing Popper, but here's the problem. Popper's metagame is kind of stale. It doesn't really change the drastically the way a lot of other formats do. You know, Legacy has enough ha, has a much wider card pool mm-hmm. because of the Uncommons, Rares, Mythics that you're able to always kind of have something to talk about that might be a little more off the beaten path. Uh, modern is kind of the same way. There, modern is changing frequently enough that you always have something new and fresh coming up. Uh, Pioneer is the same way. But Popper just kind of stays still. There's n- almost never a new deck. Like, in the last couple of years that I've been playing, the only new real deck that I've seen creep up is uh wonder walls walls combo and uh uh boros bully i think came up too and just like i've seen the rise of a handful of decks but we're talking like two or three decks in the span of like four or five years like it's just it's not good (laughs) like is tron still a big contender in popper um and you know uh and so the metagame is just like stale so like at some point you kind of like unless i try and brew something and just come up with something like which i'm not a i am not a deck builder i'm a deck tuner if you give me a, a constructed deck i can find out if i play it enough i can find out things that might help it win a little more and yeah. why it can win a little more. Um, one of the things been a little contentious right now is uh, there was the card Eye Blight Massacre. I'm known for playing elves, for those mm-hmm. of you who don't know. Um, and I... There was a new cards previewed called Eye Blight Massacre, which is downshifted from Magic Origins. It is 2-2 two and two black sorcery all non-elf creatures get minus two, minus two until end of turn. 
So here's the problem with it. Here's where everybody was looking at that. Because Popper kind of needs a good two damage sweeper, minus two, minus two kind of sweeper uh, that isn't Evan Carr's Justice. Yeah. We have Evan Carr's Justice, and that's pretty much it. Um, so everybody's like, okay, let's do that. But here's the problem, right? Control decks want to kill the aggro decks. Elves is pretty much an aggro deck. Mm-hmm. Not only is that one an aggro deck that you're trying to deal with, but so is Stompy. Stompy is the big aggro deck in the format. And guess what? About a third of the creatures in that deck are elves. So you're not doing anything there, really. And either. is Stompy still mono green? It is. Okay. So, and then everybody was like, well, elves doesn't want this, right? You can't use it against the mirror match and you can't use it against Stompy. And and obviously doesn't help you against Tron, which is the best deck in the format. And I was like, let's look at this a little bit for a second, right? Because you gotta think a little differently here. And Stompy and your mirror match, I mean, your mirror match is 50-50 no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. It's just who draws better. Um, and kind of who sideboards better, like did you prepare your sideboard better kind of, kind of thing. Um, but Stompy is one of the best matchups for elves. And actually, so is Tron. If you're a good elves player, you can just outrace Tron all day, every day, before they have a time to set up. And you can also, even if they do set up a lock, you can get around that if you know how to play your deck right. Um, what you, the deck struggles against sometimes, though, is decks like Fairies, Boros, okay. Mono Black, uh, devotion slash control. Fairies, your highest toughness creature is two. And Ninja of the Deep Hours, everything, and uh, Flip Delver if you play Delver. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're talking Spell Stutter Sprite, Fairy Miscreant, um, uh, Augur Bullas is a one three. I, I should stay stand corrected on that. But point is, you wipe out like all the important creatures. Same with the Boros decks. Boros decks are a lot like White Weenies kind of decks. Um, and their creatures are bird tokens from Battle Screech. So they're one ones, you wipe them out. Three Bin Spectre, which is a one two, wipe them out. Um, Glint Hawk, which is a two two, they're dead. Mm-hmm. And then they're left with. Um, depending if they're Bor- Boros Bully or Boros, which is now Mardu Monarch, um, you might also see, like, Seeker of the Way. Now they could always respond to that and be like, hey, well, I'll cast a spell and pump up the Seeker of the Way. Yeah. But you can also get them got with that. And then all they're kind of left with is their 2-3 core Skyfisher, but that's now a 0-1. So if you attack into that and they block it, or they block with it, excuse me, then the creature dies. So it puts a lot of extra pressure on them. Same with mono black control. Yeah. You know, they play a lot of two twos against your one ones. Well, if you just kill their two twos, you were able to put a lot more pressure on them. So, you know. So, but isn't popper elves normally just mono green? Like how does adding is. the black um, affect that? So there's actually um, Birchlore Rangers, which is has the ability is a one one for one green has a morph cost so you can morph it 
and um, flip it over for one green. That is relevant sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's not often, but it's relevant. <laughs> um, and then when it's face up, you can, it has the ability of um, tap two untapped elves you control, which mm -hmm. gets around uh, summoning sickness. Yep. And uh, you make one mana of any color. Ooh, so okay. you can use that for the blue to cast Distant Melody, which is where you just draw a million elves. Yeah. Um, but you can also use it for other things. So one of my actual things that I use on my sideboard is a card called Harsh Sustenance, which is from Fate Reforged. Okay. And it's one white and a black instant. Harsh Sustenance deals X damage to target creature or player, which I think is just now any target, but whatever. Um, Popper doesn't have Planeswalkers. Um, and X is equal to the number of creatures you control. And you oh, gain dang. that much life. Ooh. So if you have 30 creatures, your opponent has 20 life, boom, they're dead. Um, and you're able to cast that because of Virtual Rangers. Mm -hmm. There's other variations of that, which actually this kind of plays into Massacre, or Eye Blight Massacre, is... Um, there's another version that's just mono black, and that's called Gruesome Fate. I don't like Gruesome Fate as much because it's a sorcery, so um, what you can do with Harsh Sustenance is because it's an instant, if you're up against Tron or like another kind of control deck, you can wait until your end step where they kind of try and get cute with like, you know, they use their mana that they've held up and everything. Yeah. And then you just throw it at their face after they tap out. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's easier to counter and deal with the gruesome fate, but, um, gruesome fate is, uh, black and two generic, uh, sorcery, basically the same thing. You drain your opponent for X damage equal to the number of creatures you control. Yeah. Um, but it, it's life loss. It, that's a life loss or like a life drain. Mm -hmm. not damage like heart sustenance is. So it gets around okay. um, prismatic strains as well, which is kind of like the fog for any color, but it does, it's not just for combat damage, it's any damage. <clears throat> um, so basically, um, my thought process is since you're running seven Lanowar Elf clones, so you're running... I run three Lanor Elves, two Finhorn Elves, and two Elvish Mystics. Okay. What if you took out one of one or two of those and just put in Elves of Deep Shadow instead? Oh, yeah, because that's a pay one life at a black? Yep. Okay. And so it's, just a, it's one of those. And if you're, able to that, cast that those creatures, if you're able to cast those creatures in the first place, then you should already have the green mana in an actual forest. So, so is it too... Um... Now, you're definitely the expert on this. Is it too slow to run any kind of dual lands and elves, like like a Golgari oh, yeah. Guildgate or something it, like it that? It definitely is. It's okay. too slow. You want to be casting stuff right on turn one and chain and chaining that off over the next couple of I, I see what you mean. So You, you so, can actually get it in turn one, where you, or not turn one, but turn two, where you actually just spit out your entire hand. Okay, so so anything like evolving wilds or anything like that's too slow. You, you'd too still want to keep a mono green land base then. Yep. Okay. Okay, and would you play the Eye Blight Massacre in the main board or sideboard? Sideboard for sure. Sideboard. Okay. But there's a, a lot of people who are just like, I don't know about that. And when I tell them to explain my thing, and they're like, But when would you ever really want that? I'm like, oh, 
look, mono black and mono black control. I I treated that matchup as an auto loss. Mm-hmm. If I can have something that short that shores up my matchup just a hair, I'm gonna take it. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Even if it doesn't always get me there, it's something that I want to at least test and try out and see if it works. If it doesn't work, then I just don't play with it. If yeah. it does work, though, then it does some work, you know? No, that's interesting. It's interesting. So you definitely got back. You you originally got into Popper because I remember, um, like, first bringing you on. That was what we talked about a lot. Um, and you got into it because it's a cheaper format. Um, so even, like, two years later now that you're back on the show here is it still kind of stagnant the metagame because yeah I, I i i stopped playing popper about a year and a half ago too so yeah a lot of formats were roughly the same and that was part of my problem with my articles was like i got to a point where i was just like i've covered every deck of the metagame i can only talk about the metagame so much the hell am i doing now and I mean, that was bro- where bro- I, like, decks? I mean but yeah, I went I went to my editors and I was like, hey, can I actually like start writing some other stuff? And they were like, yeah, we think you actually pigeonholed yourself a little bit. So they absolutely let me do kind of whatever I wanted as far as articles went. So like I've talked about all their different formats. I've mm-hmm. done like very casual articles. Um, I've done just general editorial kind of things. So like I, I've had there was one article I did. I can't remember where it was necessarily, but I definitely wrote a, a article kind of reminiscing a little bit and talking yeah. about like my date, like how Pokemon got me into magic essentially. Um, you know, in the last year, especially with the pandemic and everything and uh, EDH kind of taking off that much more mm-hmm. as a result of it. It's really funny how Wizards said that this was going to be your commander and I don't think they even realized how true that was going to be. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I wrote a lot of, um, uh, com- commander articles. I also have really gone off pretty hard with jumpstart. Oh, jumpstart I love, so good. oh yeah. It is so much fun. Um, and, and you know what just really surprised me? What? No one is writing articles for this. No one is talking about custom jumpstart booster packs why Ooh, that's a good idea so sort of like make your quote-unquote jumpstart cube in a sense and here, here's your packs you can customize them however you want Ooh, they're you can have them idea. stronger than your basic level jumpstart yeah which is yeah very basic magic and then like actually pick it up and just like here's my packs roll you know here's my 40 packs 50 packs right Put little number stickers on each of them. Oh and my just, gosh. You know, roll a die, do a random number generator, pick your packs. And not- like have the themes on them. The thought process I had, I don't have any in front of me. I'm, um, I'm, I'm making a note right now to start looking at like a jumpstart arena cube. Because um, oh yeah. I, I just built uh, a peasant arena cube and I yeah. pl- and I played it on stream last night with my Discord and it was so much fun and I'm so working on I'm a popper like one. Showing this just because I have one in front of me. This is yeah. like one of those blind worlds cards mm-hmm. that I use for proxies and everything. But the uh, Zendikar Rising cards, like the checklist cards, kind of look like this. They're yeah. just very blank. Um, and what you do is you actually take them. And you write the entire pack out on the card. Okay. So you can tell, so you can remember what is in each specific pack. And then in the top, you write the theme. That's pretty cool. 
So, like, it just, it's so simple. Nobody's talking about this. And it just seems like such a cool thing. Like, the idea of just having, especially right now. Like, oh, yeah. like I was saying before, I can't take my cube and go and play with friends. Now, thankfully, me and my coworkers have actually been discussing a way that we could do it because we're all card game enthusiasts. Obviously, we work for a game store. And, um, uh, but even then... Oh, like, I, I got to show you a way to do it. Like, if you build an arena cube, I got to show you a way you can do it with arena. And it's so simple to do. But, but so here's what was happening, right? Like, I go back home. My actual, my little brother just got into Magic recently. Yeah. Um, so he got back into it. He used to play a little bit with me when I was when we were younger, mm-hmm. but he kind of fell away from it. But then with the whole pandemic, he started playing uh, board games with friends. And one day, one of them brought over Game Night, which is like super, super beginner level magic, which is like fine if you're kind of trying to learn it, but it's really boring, you know? It's oh, yeah, really that came a, out a couple years ago, right? Like, Something like that? Yeah, they, they've done two, they did a new version of it last year. Okay. Um, or earlier this year or something. But it's just, it wasn't that great. And I'm like, you know what? I've got a lot of store credit. Um, and I, <laughs> I'm going to hook you up. So I went and got him the full set of 2019 commander decks, some sleeves, some deck boxes, and some dice. Oh, nice. And I was like, here, go, go crazy. And him and his one friend like really took it, took to it like crazy. So they, oh, awesome. all they do is they play one on one EDH. They don't really have like the full team and they're not really into it enough to do like webcam or magic online or anything. So they just do it amongst each other. And that's good. But like, I can't take my cube necessarily and go and draft it with my brother. Like, there's ways we could figure it out if we really tried. Like, yeah, you could do, like, I, Sealed or Winston or something like that. Right. Uh, I've also, like, show, been shown really cool ways to do draft, uh, like, mm-hmm. one-on-one drafts. Like, um, uh, after SCG Con a few years ago, Autumn Burchett showed me Factor Fiction draft. Oh, which is where you yeah, yeah. I've done... Some packs. Yep. You shuffle up packs, and then... Um, you take the top five cards and like factor fiction them. Yeah, so you, you separate them into piles. piles yeah, choose one. I've I've and done so that too. It's to fun. With it, it's really interesting. <laughs> it, it is. It's it really fun. Creates some really interesting dynamics because you have to remember what your opponent took, what yep. you're taking. It, it's really, <laughs> yep. it's actually very challenging and very oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's a fun way to play. But, but you know, all told, it's really hard to just have that great one-on-one experience or with like one v one experience with like a draft kind of thing. So like, especially right now, jumpstart is an incredible thing. And if you could just like, you know, I've got a whole box of bulk just lying around. Like what if I just took those? I'm just like built decks out of them. And, you know, like the 20 card packs and then put them into a box and we shuffle them up and say, Hey, let's put shuffle them, shuffle them together and just go to town. That's you a know, great idea. I love it. Like, and, and, you know, there's been a few people who have done, like, the custom jumpstart thing. A.E. Marling got into it a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, all, I'm a fellow Cool Stuff Inc. writer. Mm-hmm. But no one's, but even he was kind of tackling it from the kind of more beginner level of actual jumpstart. So I was just like, what if we, like, made this closer to, like, an actual cube with, like, strong cards? 
and like oh yeah you know, it's super fun so what so what i've been writing about recently has been uh i've been covering the um ravnica guild so Ooh. i'm like halfway through so because here's what you do right um you cover a booster pack for each ravnica block mm-hmm and then you have one pack where you merge them all together. You take cards from each of the sets. So you got four different takes on Azorius, Rakdos, Demir. So at, at least, you know, while I would love to tackle other cool like themes and ideas and everything, concepts, at least with this, it gives players a basis to build something around, you know? Yeah. You're covering all the bases with all of the color combinations. So at least you have some basics to work off of. We were actually making the packs, and they all kind of work together because they're all multicolor. So, you know, I love this. I, I I never even thought of that, and I love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to run away with it with Arena. Um, I, I'm probably gonna stick with Peasant because I don't want to. Is freaking Arena's you know crafting system? Not a, not a lot of people have rare and mythic cards, so it's uh, right. I'll have to make it a little bit weaker, but. But oh, just just the idea of like doing a here's a Simic pack. I didn't even think of guilds and all that stuff. Right. I fucking love that idea. Holy shit! So like I've just like been like trying to get I'm trying to like get a like, a, a a jump start on this. To, oh, I I I'm hundred percent down with it. Um, so like, like to like give people a basis to work off of. Shit, you could do even like wedge packs too. Like I yeah. mean, I court will. I, I guess I'd have to see what kind of wedge cards were in Ikori and then just sort of add guild like guild or multi or single color with them. Like here's an Abzan pack. Right. And then you got, you know, Khan's Tarkir coming out and shortly. Oh, well. can't wait for that. Can't wait. Because we're on we're on Kaladesh, so then we're gonna get Shadows, then we're gonna get um Battle. Battle, and then it's Khans. Oh, can't wait for that. Siege Rhino. I wanna flicker some siege rhinos. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! Oh my god! That'll mean. Oh wait, no. They'll, they'll probably never reprint the fetch lands because I was gonna think we could get four color rally, and then people want to talk about cat oven being ungodly slow on arena. Yeah. Fetches, I could see that. I, I hope so, but I mean, in, they're they're banned in pioneers, so right. It's... So they would just be automatically banned in a format on there, but you would be able to. First off, they're banned out of the, right, right from the get go. Yeah, so you can't get wild cards for them. Um. You know what you're getting to you're getting into when you're buying them and when you're crafting yeah. them, but like for historic, they're fine. You know they or they might be treated as fine. And then on top of that, yeah. you also have the fact of um, you know because historic plays with you more powerful cards than pioneer has to an extent. Yeah, then, they're definitely some more. Yeah, and then you also have with um, because uh, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to try and go back to modern after that. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I'm 100% down for that. So, like, it just makes sense to, like, put those kind of in there. And if they don't, well, then they'll have to figure it out later down the line. It's kind of like yeah. right now where the fact that they didn't include Walking Ballista, Smuggler's Copter, and the one, uh, the cat, Felidar Guardian. They didn't yep. include And none of those three cards are in Kaladesh Remastered. I know, right? And that's probably because... Both a the fact they're banned in Pioneer, so like, why do we want these right now? And two, the fact that they would actively break historic. historic. 
Yeah, th- they would. I mean, I, I, I'm wondering if Aetherworks Marvel is even going to do anything in historic. I mean, turn four Ulamog's pretty strong if it happens, but yeah, I, I, I'll be curious if it's going to even be strong enough to do anything. Right. So who knows? You know, and it's, you know, at one point I would have said sure, but like right now it's just like, I don't know, 2019, 2020 magic's a hell of a beast, you know? Right, right. It, it, it's funny when when you go back and look at Siege Rhino, like, oh my god, this card's so broken, and you realize, oh, Siege Rhino isn't that, isn't that bad. It's, uh, yeah. it, hell, it's basically an uncommon at this point. <laughs> Not it's even weird. a rare. It's weird. <laughs> god, it's... And, and what's crazy is whenever I do, like, set reviews for, for, like, each standard set coming out, and you probably recognize this too, being like such a popper player. And even though you say, you know, the popper metagame hasn't changed that much, but when I look at the power level of commons nowadays, it, oh, it's, yeah, it's way higher. It's way higher. It's crazy. Now common spells aren't nearly as good, but like yeah. common creatures are insane. And even right? uncommon creatures. I oh, can't yeah. tell you how much I lost my mind when I saw Destiny Spinner the first time. Right? I read what that card did, and I was like... Make shit remember, uncounterable? You remember how Gaius Herald was like a chase card for a long time? Gaius Herald is a one in a green Which rare. Which was that? That was um, from Plane Shift. And they okay. reprinted it a few times. If I showed you the art, you'd probably... I, yeah, I, 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 probably, I probably know it. I'm just terrible at names sometimes um it's the one with like an elf calling out like this yeah i think i had uh, on plane shift yeah. and then the later ones had like the elf kind of stand like this and had a bunch of like animals around the arms and everything okay um but it was a one in a green for an elf creature it was like a one one that made your uh all creature spells uncounterable yeah that included your opponent's Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. It was a rare that was actually worth money up until at least Destiny Spinner came out. I mean, let me see what it is now. But like, um, like Destiny Spinner came out and I look at that. I'm like, okay, so Gaius Herald is still $2.50. And, um, but (laughs) this card was a huge deal back in the day. Yeah. And, and then they gave us Destiny Spinner, which is the same thing, except it's not a 1-1, one, one, it's a 2-3. And um, it only affects your spells, not just your not and your And enchantments as well, too. Right. And it also <laughs> can, like, create giant creatures. Right. And I just looked at that and went... For an uncommon? God, <laughs> God it's, it's insane, the power level creep. Um... It's, but I mean, I guess this is to be expected, though, right? It's um. Now, is the power level creep getting to be too much, though? Is it? Yeah. Is it getting to a point to where? Now, I've read, I've heard from people, and I've read some interesting stuff where, with wizards just basically doing one set per expansion or, or plane or whatever you want to call it they're having to consolidate a lot more power where yeah. before they would spread the power out like in theros or cons now do, do you feel like that could be a factor and 
do you oh, think absolutely. they need to start powering down some sets too? So first off, I agree. I do think so. Um, there was uh, I, I've talked about this a little bit, but there was the article. Uh, there was an article for a set review. I don't remember if it was for Ecoria Core Twenty Twenty One or whatever. But he, it was uh, V Moswitz. Okay. He wrote an article uh, for like a set review, and he was like talking about how power levels way too high lately. And he basically said, we need a second Mercadian mask. There's a lot of people who were like, well, wasn't that Ixalan? And I was like, not really. Yeah, because Ixalan may not have changed the metagame that much, but it like, did it have some a, powerful spells, though, in it. Right, it was definitely a power down. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. It. But, like, I wouldn't say it was a power down to the same degree of Mercadian masks or even Kamigawa. Yeah, because there were definitely a lot of staples in Ixalan that were used a lot, like Search for Ascanta, Vraska's Contempt, um, yeah, uh, the the Vraska Planeswalker for a while there, um, uh, Rekindling Phoenix. Oh yeah, Rekindling Phoenix. That's right. Uh, um, all, the Fleet Daredevil. The 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 whole Explore package that came out of it yeah. too. Uh, pretty much like any of those flip like enchantments and artifacts, like yeah, had a home somewhere, even if not in like actual constructed play, but like. Casual I mean, play for days. The, the lands too, um, definitely shaped the format too because all the check lands were coming out. Right. Yep. And so, like, it was like fine. I wouldn't call it a power down. I mean, it was a power down. I should say. I shouldn't say that. It was definitely a power yeah. down. But but, but was... probably not as much as we we're thinking of though. Right. It wasn't like enough to like really lower things down like dramatically. Like I didn't see. It was definitely a lower power level, but the game still felt fine. Yeah. And, like, it didn't feel like we were kind of just running into walls, I guess, you know. Because, like, I've, I've played a lot of those formats mm -hmm. in that time. Um, yeah, GP, so did I. GP Orlando, or not Orlando, but GP Seattle 2018 was, I actually, was a standard tournament. I actually played that tournament, mm -hmm. and I went 8-0 no day one on Mono Red. And, like, I loved that format. That format was great. And that was... That had Rekindling Phoenix in it. And... Yep. What, what else did that have in there? Uh, Hazard. Oh, that... Kenra. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Bomat Courier. Like, it was a great deck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm remembering that deck now. Yeah, because so I played the, that, too. It was, it was between that deck, the blue-black mid-range was a thing... Um, the Hadonis Climb Winding Constrictor deck was a thing. Was it God's Pharaoh Gift a thing or not yet? Or was uh, that it was after? It like was right around the same time that that was like really gaining prominence. Okay. I think that was actually the breakout weekend for the blue-red version. Oh, with combat, okay. combat Celebrant. Um, and uh, there was also Vehicles. So mm -hmm. there was just like a good, healthy meta game with a number of different decks that you could build. Um, and yeah, and so nothing like, felt like broken too, you know. Right. It was good, solid, stable gameplay, and that was what I really enjoyed about it. You know, it didn't need to do stupid broken things. If I wanted to do broken things, I would play modern or, or legacy. legacy. Yeah, exactly. You know, and not that not that everybody could play legacy, but like you could if you couldn't play afford legacy, you could probably still afford modern. And certainly now you could afford Pioneer, which you can still do dumb, broken things than that. So, like, you know, heck, let's be real here. 
If you really wanted to, you could go back and do dumb broken things to Popper for fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, yeah. and yeah, because I think a, a lot of it all really changed when War of the Spark came out. Because that's when I stopped playing modern completely. Because right. my two modern decks, actually, no, I had three modern decks. I had um, Elves, uh, Grixis Delver. I, I I never did change it to Grixis Shadow because I refused. Um, mm-hmm. And I also was doing blue white control and god fucking shit. As much as I'd win with blue white control and modern, it was such a miserable deck to play. <laughs> and, yeah. and and especially when War of the Spark came out with Narset and the new Teferi. Oh my mm-hmm. god. And then when Force, main, Force of Negation my, came out. Oh god. Yeah. My main <laughs> deck for a while um, was actually Affinity. And like Affinity just got hated out of the format until they eventually right. Mockable because Mockable started doing other things to the format. Right. It, it that, that used to be such a staple. That used to be like the... It, it, for, for a while there, I remember that was like you know, when I first got into Modern, that was like, you know, the boogeyman, almost in a sense. Like, right, but it was like a fair boogeyman. Yeah, yeah. It never felt... Like, like if if it won the first game, it felt very unbeatable, right? But but when you yeah. started getting your sideboard in for your artifact hate, it felt very beatable at that point. Exactly. And, like, I played a lot of Affinity at the time. Oh, yeah. I, don't get me wrong. I definitely lost to a number of Stony Silences and Vandal Blasts and... Shatterstorms like, and... Yeah. Or, yeah, Van, so, Vandal Blasts. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. So it was just, you know, just... I would just get blown out all the time. Um, you know, But my, it was such a fun deck, though. Right. And my main decks then switched to, like, humans. And, like, humans still kind of plays in that same interplay a little bit. But even that's a little more complicated because you have to know, like, uh, meddling mage. Yeah. And so you need to know what cards to name. You know, so it's... Yeah, it's that, that gets harder when, yeah, when you got to know the meta, too. Right. Um, and th- things like... Uh, um, you know, I played a little Devoted Devastation earlier in the year. And that one's... Easy to learn, because like if you know how the combos work, it's really easy to just kind of just go into it and just go. Mm-hmm. But it's also then you have to learn when is the right time to go, try and go off. You know, what are you playing around? So there is still format knowledge that you need to earn yeah. and you need to learn to be able to like play around all that and be good with it. But I do agree with you. Like War of the Spark is where everything changed for everything. You know, yeah, there was a little bit of it in Ravnica Allegiance. You know, we saw yeah. Gross Spiral. We saw it was Wilderness Reclamation was in there. So it was um, not that this one ever ended up breaking anything, but it was like a kind of an indicator in a way was uh, Rhythm of the Wild. Yeah. Um, and obviously Hydroid Crisis was in there. Yeah, because my last, my last paper standard deck was right before Ravnica Allegiance came out. And to me, Guilds of Ravnica standard was my last favorite standard that I really, really enjoyed. Right, I agree with that, because Ravnica Allegiance then really pushed uh, the control, which is already a good deck, but it pushed it up where it was like, where there was kind of a balance with all the decks before. Mm -hmm. It kind of pushed control over those enough. Dovin's Veto was way too good. Right. And and then the Reclamation shit. Well, Dovin's Veto was War of the Spark, but yeah. Oh, was it? Oh, I thought it was Ravnica... Yeah, um, but it was absorb. Oh, absorb. That's right. That's right. Okay. So it got absorb. It got Kaya. Uh, Kaya's wrath was in there as well. Yeah. 
So it, it just control just kind of like way took off. Mortify was in there as well. Yeah, it, it, um, Esper control went crazy. Um, and th then he started seeing the Reclamation Nexus of Fate decks, and right. God, that was god awful boring. Like, like th that's when I started slowly stop watching professional Magic too. Like, right when you have freaking two people doing Teamer Reclamation Nexus of Fate over and over again, and just that's not fun to watch <laughs> exactly and um and then war of the spark came out and just everything went to hell yeah. you know i i i'm not gonna lie i i do think wizards taking risks is a good thing yes um and i think trying their hand at putting and making a set with 36 planeswalkers in it was a valiant effort it was something that people actually wanted to see yeah uncommon you know? planeswalkers and rare planeswalkers for the first right. time it was interesting right. People really actually wanted to see these. There were actually, it was a frequent question that would pop up in the past was, when are we going to actually see a Planeswalker set? Yeah, exactly. And it was inevitable, kept, essentially. Right. So it was like, when are we going to do this? And they kept saying, like, we can't do this. And their solution to it was both proliferate and the static abilities. But then, because it was their first time doing static abilities on Planeswalkers, which is unprecedented, you know, territory they didn't really know how to gauge it properly it's kind of like um when the first time they do equipment and which resulted in skull clamp and the sword <laughs> yeah and um or the first time where they did vehicles yep. got smugglers copter you know it's when they when they really try something for the first time they can really screw the pooch on it and they really did here yeah and, so, and like you said you got to commend them on it they, they tried it, right, it, they, they at least made an effort. Modern Horizons also kind of fell into some of the pitfalls. I think my problem with Modern Horizons, and it sounds like they're rectifying this for Modern Horizons 2, is my problem with it was that it was only new cards to Modern. It was only cards yeah. entering Modern for the very first time ever. Not a mixture, not, not taking the uh, core 2020, or... Uh, Magic 2010 onwards approach where they did the core sets and they used to just be strictly reprints and instead they made well, them half reprints, half new cards. Wait, so, so Conspiracy and Battle Bond weren't mod aren't modern? Are they no. just legacy only? Yes. Okay, okay. Okay, so yeah, this, this is the first time. Okay. So their whole prop idea here was that they were only going to include cards that had never been seen in modern before. Mm-hmm. And for a few of the cards were pretty good. You know, Eladomri's Call was a fantastic addition at the point. Ooh, love that card. You know, that allowed really like the current devoted devastation list, but it's not like broken. It's a, a really strong effect, but it's not breaking anything. The problem was when they started designing new cards and they took it a little too far. Um, you know, there and there's arguments for how things actually ended up playing out. Like, here here's a fun food for thought, right? Would Hogak have been as broken as it was if we didn't have Altar of Dementia? Good question. Um, I, I, I gotta I gotta look. What did Altar of Dementia do again? Is that the is that you sack a creature and you mill someone? Yes. Okay. So that card also entered with Modern Horizon. Was that a new card or a reprint? It was an it was a reprint from Tempest. That had also seen a reprint in Conspiracy. Oh, okay. And those were the only two printings prior to Modern Horizon. 
Interesting. So it was added in with Modern Horizons, but because of the way it milled it and how it worked with Hogak, you were able to continue milling and then recasting it and doing all the shenanigans until you eventually got enough creatures out that you would mill your opponent completely. Oh, shit. So would the deck have been as broken without uh, Altar of Dementia? Well, know? didn't they so try to... Didn't they try to ban Bridge from below first? No? They did. And then it turned out that the version without Bridge is actually even stronger than the version with Bridge. <laughs> oh, shit, really? Because, yeah. like I said, when I sold out of... I sold out of Modern shortly after Modern Horizons. Um, I sold all my Modern decks and my Legacy decks. And um, so from there, because I was not happy with like what... Urza, Hogak, and all that. Um, I was not happy with it, so I yeah. stopped following the meta completely. I did not know that... I thought banning Bridge from Below was enough to no. neuter it. <laughs> no. It made it worse? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, jeez. Because uh, for a lot of these players, it made it less all-in. Yeah. And more like a focused strategy. Oh, shit. And, yeah, it, it, it broke everything until they actually ended up banning Hogak completely. Yeah. And I guess they just, even though Bridge from Below probably could have come off, they probably also deemed the fact that it was still risky to unban it. Yeah. And so would it really be adding that much more to the format by unbanning it? And they probably just decided, not really. Hmm. So they decided yeah. to keep it banned, at least for now. You know, it may just turn out to be eventually like a Wild Nakado kind of situation where Wild Nakado was really strong in the really early days of modern. And kind of pushed out every other aggressive strategy. And then it really turned out to not be that great. <laughs> Same with Bloodbraid Elf, too. Because didn't that get unbanned, right? It did, but Bloodbraid Elf actually still sees a pretty healthy amount of play. Which is um, good, because Jun needs yeah. that. Jund is still one of like, the top decks in the format. But like, I feel like Jund has gone from, you know taking over the metagame like it did previously. Mm -hmm. And it's more like in a healthy spot. Is Tarmogoyf um, even played a whole lot now? Is Tarmogoyf even really, considered a really good creature nowadays in modern? Jun, uh, uh, according to Goldfish, Jun, in the last 14 days, Jund is the ninth most represented deck in the format. Okay. The top nine, or the top decks after that are Uro Piles, where they just figured there's so many different ways that these Uro Piles come into play. That they figured it's easy just to lump them all into one thing and then just space them out. Uh, you know, based me, on whichever one. Let me look at it with you. So, Uro Piles, Azorius Control's still there, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, it's Uro Piles, then Eladomri's Toolbox, which is kind of like the. Um, it's it's kind of a. It, um, like a scape shifty kind of deck, but not really. Yeah. You know, it allows you to get your primeval titans or whatever you need to kind of, you know, better your deck situation. But, you know, it's a little bit of the primeval titan kind of deck. Wow. So when, when just looking at the price for that deck, only 600 bucks. I mean, yeah. that's cheap as hell for a modern deck. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, so, yeah. Then you've got Azorius Control after that. Humans following that. Amulet Titan Blitz, which is like, is it Blitz? Um, Heliod Company. Which is like collected company oh, with. Is it Blitz is a thing now? Oh, hell yes. Yep. Um, Rakdos, Death Shadow, and then Jun. And then oh, it's oh. Mono Green Tron after that. 
So it's Rakdos Death Shadow now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's not. It's not. Oh, my boy Grixis is probably like completely pushed out. Because <laughs> they're using um, Scourge of the Skyclaves now with it as well. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh man, I gotta tell you, like Grixis Delver was my f no Modern Elves is my first modern deck. Um, but I loved Grixis Delver when it was a thing. Like it was so much fun to me. Um, yeah, and I, I that. and I played more of the control variant of it. Um, I loved Snapcaster Mage and all that. It was such a good. And that's interesting too, because there's a lot of discussion depending on where you're looking on the internet right now. Like even like Snapcaster Mage is kind of like power crept out of a lot of these formats, which is, oh god, it's crazy to me. I mean, like I see why and all that, mm -hmm. but it's. Like, Snapcaster Mage used to be, like, besides Tarmogoyf, used to be one of the best creatures. Yeah, and all that. it's wild. Like, I, I'm looking at the Azorius Control. Azorius Control is, well, I guess it's more Jeskai now from this one I'm looking at. Cleansing Wildfire. I guess that makes mm -hmm. sense because of all the freaking Triomes and the Fetchlands and Shocklands yeah. and all that. Because with people trying to get greedy, not playing basics or not playing a lot of basics um god i'm trying like the actual list doesn't look that different except for like the lands really right which is and cleansing wild, wildfire right? yeah so like i'm very like i'm i just haven't done it yet but like i'm going to be picking up humans again just because i love playing humans Oh my god, Tarmogoyf is only like less than 40 bucks. Oh my yeah. god. I have not looked at Tarmogoyf prices in forever. Oh yeah, like, it's wild. I remember when he was over 200 bucks a pop. Oh, I remember those days. <laughs> Did, you remember oh. Goyfgate? Goyfgate? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the one guy who drafted... Uh, Pascal, Pascal Maynard. Um, oh drafted, yeah. The, the foil. Drafted a, it was a top 8 of a GP. And he... Uh, took the foil Tarmogoyf over um, Burst Lightning, which actually would have yeah. been better, better for better for Yeah, I remember that. God, and people got so mad at him. And it's like, yeah. I understand. I understood the dude's position. I mean, one... It was a $500 card at the time. Yeah, you don't make a lot of money playing Magic. And you're right. That That's $500 guaranteed at the time right there. It, it's, and you're already paying prize money anyway because you're on top of a GP. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's like it, I did the same thing when I um opened up a foil scalding tarn uh, for the expedition when it was like worth over three hundred. I sold that shit right away. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like I don't want to keep on to that. Collect a bunch of high end stuff or oddball stuff. Do you actually see what I acquired today? Um, did I see the picture of it? I know you posted something. Hold on, let me find it here. I got the cards right in front of me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I did see this. Is that a? Is that a beta? It is beta land where else? Okay. And this thing is clean. It. I mean, from yeah, the picture, it looks. Get a really good look at this, but you just like can't see anything on that. Dang. And the it nickel is. bolus looks really good too. The bolus has some like edge wear on it. Yeah. But like I could show you the scan of this the Lanor Elf, and it looks insanely crispy. Yeah, I've got a um, my bolus is uh the, probably not in the greatest shape. The back there has some. Oh yeah, I see it. On it. You see I that? See it. Yeah. 
But so my my whole thing was I actually bought a couple of the uh, um, Secret Lair Ultimate Edition, the Fetchlands one. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of store credit to burn, folks. <laughs> so, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and I have a box right here, and it's like uh, actually a pretty decent like box and everything. Ooh. Yeah. So you open it up, and it's at an angle, so like you sit it down, and the cards are angled. Mm-hmm. And it's five cards. So I wanted to get each of the Elder Dragons. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Case. So I have a Platinum Wars as well, but I think a Platinum Wars is also really nice looking. So I actually might get that one graded. Like, I'm going to try and get this Land of Elves graded. Oh, yeah. That, that'd um, be awesome. Dang. But, you know, so I, I pick up a little oddball things. Basically, like my only two real paper things I have right now. Like, I have some Hopper decks and everything that I play with, like, my sibling. Mm-hmm. But, like, for the most part, my main two real things that I own, apart from, like, some sealed stuff it, and a couple oddball, like, high-end ink cards like these, is um, I have my cube and my all-foil DDH deck. And that's pretty much about it. <laughs> God, yeah, I've, I've still got so much shit. Like, I need to get off my ass and just work on getting rid of it it's like it's doing something yeah like i mean i've got since the pandemic my i used to have like less than 10 edh decks before the pandemic now i'm getting close to 30 edh decks now Um, so for me i have two actual edh decks yeah and then i have like all the pre-cons oh i don't even i don't even count those I have I haven't upgraded those yet. If I if I counted the precons, I'd have like over fifty or something. Um, yeah, I have I have all the precons from 2020, 2018, and 2019. So I've collected every single precon except for the very very first ones back in 2011. I was not playing Commander at the time. Bless you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I actually played uh, with those. I actually bought all of those decks. And um, so here, that, that's a good little transition point. What are your thoughts on made for Commander products? Obviously, we got Commander Legends coming out very soon after this. So, I mean, I like Commander Legends. Um, and yeah, a, Legends is fantastic. <laughs> it, it looks fantastic. Now, I know there's a lot of people that are you know, mad, or I wouldn't say mad, but just not like in the direction of Wizards where they make, you know, a lot of cards that are specifically geared for Commander now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel a little bit lucky in the fact that I mainly play Commander with the people in my Discord now. I don't play Paper Commander anywhere else except pretty much on Spell Table, and we have a good group of people that yeah you know we, we sure we have our degenerate decks right I, I think everybody has their sort of degenerate decks but right. we, we also does. have our fun casual decks and we're okay with playing those and right you know like, and it's even like my my thing my main deck is Sharoom the hegemon mm-hmm. and everybody looks at that and just goes you're, you're gonna combo me aren't you and like don't be wrong I win by combo but I play in such a way that I'm not killing you on like turn two. Yeah, um, yeah. We're we're having a nice long game, and I might combo kill at the end, but we've had a nice hour, hour, you know, hour, two hour long game where we actually get to have fun. People get to do their own thing, and exactly. everybody has a good time. 
Yeah, like I I I've gotten to a point now with my EDH deck building career where I don't like to always build the most optimized deck because right. to me that gets boring. Yes, I have my optimized EDH decks and I enjoy playing those, but with a lot of the new commanders I see coming out, I don't always want to build the best of the best because what's the fun of that? Because if I can make right. it interesting in my own and put in my own personality in it, I'll enjoy it more. Like my most recent deck was Ashaya from Zendikar. Oh, and man. and I, I literally built the deck with the stipulation of Ashaya is going to be my only creature in the deck. I have... And I have 45 lands in it, but I have a lot of ways to animate my lands. So I do like a lot of heavy ramp and then I just make all my lands creatures and try to swing and win. Hmm. But it's I, I go with that stipulation where, you know, if people kill me early or they start do a board wipe and destroy all my lands, oh, I'm kind of fucked, you know? <laughs> right. I've had that in Shroom because like I've played um I've had games where all of my lands are artifact lands, and then yeah. I play out um, a bunch of mana rocks, and then someone goes a Chroma's Vengeance, and I'm like, <laughs> "Well, guess I die." <laughs> no, and and I I I think I think the Commander Legend is going to be a good thing. Um, am I worried it's going to shift metagames? Maybe like for pickup games and all mm -hmm. that shit. Because I mean, let's be honest. Like when you go to when you go to local game stores or when you go to GPs and play with random people, you really don't know what the fuck you're going to go up against. Yeah. You, you know, you and I will ha can have different ideas of, okay, my deck's a power level of five or six. And I think it is a power That's level. That's what I always tell people, like, with my deck, I I'm close to, like, a six. Yeah. And it's far, based on how I play it, but you might have somebody who looks at it and says, That's a seven. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you and I may think it's a power level five six, but someone could be like, "Oh no, that's like a power level nine. and you're like, "What? No!" Right. Like I'm sitting here like I play Urza in my deck, yeah, like in a, an artifact deck, and so people and it wins with like it, it has the time seed thopter assembly combo with infinite turns. So mm -hmm. like there are things that you could do that are like hectic and crazy and powerful, but again, it's the way I play it that makes it a more enjoyable experience like yeah. yes i have three i have like four tutors in my deck yes i have ways to go through and find what i need but like when I, the ultimate puzzle combo that i'm trying to assemble is like a seven card thing yeah if, if it takes hundred. seven cards for your combo you're fine like right if it literally like if you have a combo that's like four or five pieces anything more than four or five cards and you manage to win with that, that's everybody else's fault. Right. So I'm basically, like, <laughs> the ideal way for me to win is to create infinite mana with three cards. Mm -hmm. um, a Feto Alchemist, which is tap, uh, it's a creature that's, you know, tap, untap, target, artifact, or creature. And um, you play it with Colony Gem. Yeah. Which taps for two mana of any color. And Pemanzora. And Pemanzora gives your creature all of the abilities of Morphling. Oh, okay. So so what you do is you put the Pemanzora onto the Aphetto Alchemist, right? Mm-hmm. You pay you tap tap the Aphetto Alchemist to untap the colony gem. And then you tap the colony gem for two blue mana. You use one blue mana to untap the Aphetto Alchemist because yeah. of the Pemanzora. 
and oh now i've got one extra blue mana do it again and again and again and again and oh now i have infinite blue mana so now now that we have an actual infinite blue mana let's make infinite of every other color so you have yeah. infinite mana um and then you do that but then you have demonic tutor in your graveyard right you play archaeomancer Get back the demonic tutor, and then you go demonic tutor for right of replication. Oh god! And you right of replication kick the archaeomancer over and over and over and over again until you have infinite tokens. Oh because when, god! Yeah. When you, when, when you copy it, it's it's all ETB effects. The right of replication is in your graveyard by the time you choose yep. targets for the ETBs. So you just keep looping it, and also you can demonic tutor for whatever you need, and then you get um, a Chroma's Memorial to, because you're an uh, Esper, so you have yeah. to have this particular card basically, um, and that's your way that you give all of your creatures haste. Yeah, like I said, if that to me sounds like if I can't stop you from doing that, then. You know. Right. Because even then, it's like the other ways are like, okay, yeah, I time sieved and I did the time sieved combo, but then I still have to find the combo and show you how the combo works. And yeah. Because, like, I could take it into the turns, but then I have to, like, I got to find my Tezzeret mm -hmm. and activate Tezzeret enough times to kill all of my opponents. That kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, it's that, that is one thing that's frustrating with EDH where there's certain commanders that just automatically like people hate on like i i love playing uh narset oh, for, yeah. for commander <laughs> but but i don't i play narset as monk tribal though i don't do you right. know infinite turn bullshit but every it's single like, time i pull um, it out it's people are pissed off i'm like trust me it's not that it's not that great <laughs> do you do you know um ian dixon yeah um he plays animorphs which is animar with morph effect Oh, I love playing Animar Morph. But all of the Morph creatures aren't really that great. So it's not like you're going in, you're steamrolling yeah. it. It's not like you're snowballing it into something like... Like Eldrazi uh, and shit, right, and Eldrazi Infinite and Mana, Palancron, and all that. You're just doing silly um, Morph stuff. Yeah, I, I, I built that on fair. Magic Online. It was a fun deck. but And it's, it's fun, it's fair... And, but like you, you know, said, it gets hated out so badly. Right. I mean, God, like, what's even the best morph creature? It's the one that I can think of off the top of my head is the counterspell one. You flip it and yeah. counterspell. I can't think of her name. Um, Stratus Dancer, I think, or I mean, no. Well, there's Stratus Dancer, but there's a couple other ones. There's one in uh, um, Legions that does it as well. Okay. I can't, can't remember what it's called. Yeah, I can't remember any of the old ones. Um, um, I mean, it's always Willbender, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I forgot about Will that Bender. one. I always I forgot about that one. And um, Sagu Mahler, oh man. Yeah, Sagu Mahler's a good one. But like, that's the thing. Like, they're all just like they're they're good. They're fine creatures. You know, yeah. they're not like anything that you're scared about. You know. Yeah, that that's one thing I try to do with my commander decks is I try to make them fun. It's I, I'm past the point of just making them all good, mm -hmm. you know. Um, 
And I think that's because because what basically like what I did with like my thing like Urza seems scary to everyone, mm-hmm. but like the reality of it is, you know what I switched out for it. What? I was playing Grand Architect before, and Grand Architect kind of does the same thing. Yeah, Urza just does it a little bit better. Yeah, and then just ha- Urza ends up having you know a way that you know it can really just. Uh, give me a, a an engine if I do have infinite mana and need another way to win. Which, again, then I still have to go and hunt for my actual pieces to win the game. So yeah. it's just like, you know, that that can still be answered, you can still get defeated. So, like, it's not perfect. And it's really strong and it's powerful and can get out of hand, but I think people look at those things and just hate them out when they don't look at why are they being played like this? You know, what is being played in here? And But there is a bit of that where it is kind of like, you know, people are talking about like, hey, these things are auto-includes now. Your Wizards is designing cards that are now, whereas before, when, when we would first like pick up EDH, you know, for, before like the pre-cons and everything, mm-hmm. it was go into your binder and pick out whatever kind of thing you have that, oh, that kind of works together with my with this legendary creature let's let's build a deck around this and play with each other you know and have a good time but now it's like they're kind of like giving you automatically the cards that like you automatically include and you're not just it's not a puzzle that you're trying to solve anymore it's mm-hmm. just they just kind of give you the pieces well and- i mean the, it yeah if you want to i i feel like yes if you want to optimize every deck that you want to mm-hmm. build. And I feel like that really depends on your play group too. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely agree with that. But like, you know, and there, and it's also weird though, because like, I don't know. I really liked the 2011 decks. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a fantastic job at like bringing some fresh cards that weren't broken, but played really well with each other. And then we got 2013. Oh, well, here's True Name Nemesis. Here's all our worst fears revealed. The decks were hard to get. They didn't feel as cohesive and fun kind of out of the box as the first yeah, round did. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And then we got the monocolor decks the year after that, and it was just like, eh? You know? Yeah, they were... Monocolor a little less interesting as far as EDH goes. You can do they, it okay, but... They, like, they had a lot of good pieces, Right, but, but they kind of just get a lot of you know very repetitive. Yeah, that was like yeah. that's my reason. Like as much as well known for elves as I am, I mean, look at me. I just bought a a beta Lanor elves. Mm-hmm. I have an actual original magic art piece right behind me. Yeah, I see. Of it. Sylvan Ranger uh, promo art. You know, I act, and that's an actual painting. Mm-hmm. You know, not just like a print or anything. And. Um, like, I love elves. <laughs> elves are kind of what made me interested in competitive magic in the first place. Oh, yeah, that, that, that was but, my first modern deck. I, I, I loved it. Was, it. Um, I was playing, like, jank uh, standard decks at FNM back in Onslaught Block, and I think it was when I jumped into Magic Online and tried doing some of that that I ran into an elves player playing, like, Wellisher and stuff like that, I watched my opponent get to like a thousand life, and I went, "What?" <laughs> you know, it blew my mind. That's why I say Wellisher yeah. is one of my favorite cards of all time because it completely changed my perspective on like you know, what you can do. Magic. Yeah, 
Right. And, um... But you won't catch me dead playing elves in EDH. I don't like it. I like my... I'll play it. I like my Wrist the Redeemed. It's pretty like, good. Okay, but that's Wrist the Redeemed. Yeah. <laughs> that's not an elf stack. <laughs> it's pretty much elves for the most part. It's elves tokens. Sure. And, and then and then end with Crater Hoof Behemoth coming out. <laughs> sure. But my point is, like, with those particular decks, your games are always the same. You're you, very right on that. That's why I don't play it that play, much. They play very much the same every time. And that's fine for competitive play. We're trying to be competitive, and you yeah. want to have that kind of experience. But, like, for, like, the more casual EDH kind of thing where you're just trying to chill out and have a good game, <clears throat> Playing the same deck over and over again just gets boring. You're 100% correct. That, that's why I took apart a lot of my uh, combo decks I had, too. Like, you know, the two, three card combo decks where I'm like, all I'm doing is tutoring for the combo pieces, and that's it. Right. The only time I seriously built a, a combo EDH deck was when my, I had friends that were looking at my Sharoom deck, mm -hmm. which is, a, again, it is a strong deck, but I play it like it's a little less powered i could optimize it further if i wanted to yeah and don't get wrong i have the means to do it i just choose not to oh I, i'm 100 percent same way um yeah and my friends were like your your stuff is a little too strong you're you know you're still very combo like you're, you're a combo deck and that's what we don't like and i was like if you guys really want to see what a real combo deck looks like i will show you what a real combo deck looks like and i built a deck that was like every infinite combo you could find so it had kiki jiki splinter twin mm -hmm. um infinite mana capsize lock um it was a garza zol deck so there was like a way you could do something with garza zol i forget what it was but like it was just dumb and it got to the point where we were like we had like a six or seven player game and because this is when i was in college yeah and i ended up like saying you guys are you guys like you do you really want to do this like i can show you what a real combo deck looks like and they were like sure and i like turned four infinite capsized everybody God. <laughs> like, like packing it in you know i i feel like a lot of edh players go through that evolution where you know, you first discover the format and, and maybe Wizards is making it easier now to optimize decks, but you go through that discovery phase of, oh my gosh, I can do this and that. I can optimize it, you know, as best mm -hmm. as I can. And um, and then I, I'm at the point now where, like I said before, I don't want to optimize every deck because it's boring. Um, and the, it's now I've gotten to a part point now I like to personalize all my decks, you know, where where I, I, I set stipulations for a lot of my, mm -hmm. when I do my deck building, because I find it more fun. It, it, it's when you restrict yourself, I get more creative with it. I agree with that. So I've actually got a few decks where I do that. So my other deck, so Sharoom is like my first EDH deck. Yeah. It is the deck that I built um, 10 years ago. And I, you know, sold it off, but I had the list still. So I re bought mm -hmm. it and recreated it. And, yeah, Krufix would um, be mine, because that, that's like probably my most right. optimized deck. So basically what happened was I my very first thing I ever built, because my um I had sold out my collection in like 2008. Mm -hmm. you know, that was during that little recession period where like no one was playing Magic because it was oh, time yeah. spiral into Lorwyn. And well, I, I wasn't playing Magic at all, but I had a 
very nice video game collection at that time, mm-hmm. and I had to sell it all because, yeah. So I, I know what you mean. Oh well, yeah, especially for you because that was the the you know big great recession. So to yeah. Speak. Oh my god, but I had so many blast. so many expensive games. <laughs> god. So, so that was you know the whole market, the whole economy went to shit. Yeah. But um. Uh, uh, for me, it was, just, you know, it was just, you know, there just wasn't very many people playing, so I wasn't really getting into it. Because what it was is, when I was living up in New York, we played all the time. I played with my friends nonstop. We played on lunch. We played mm-hmm. after school. Uh, we had, <laughs> shows my age and everything. We had anime club, you know. And so it was, do you, are you familiar with uh, media play? Media play? No, not off the top of my head. Okay. Do you know Sam Goody? Oh yeah, Sam Goody, yeah. So so Media Play was a Sam Goody at like a Walmart size level. And oh, like, okay. Okay. They, they they were owned by the same company. So like when Sam or when Media Play went under, Sam Goody went under. Okay. Um so put uh put that into time perspective for you. Um and uh so Media Play was like an actual full size store and that we had a bunch of them up, up north. We had a media play, and then right next door to it was a full-size Regal Theater. Oh, dang. So we would go to the media play for Anime Club, but right next door was a Regal that had a DDR machine in it. Dancing oh, Revolution. damn. Hell yes. <laughs> so, so we would bounce around between these things, and um, we had a, a really good time with it. And it, it was so much fun. But, um, but we would play Magic at there. You know, yeah. we got tired of Anime Club. We got tired with DDR. Then we would go and just sit down in the, somewhere in the media play and play Magic, or we'd go across the street to one of the restaurants and play Magic. I did drafts at uh, Mighty Taco for those of you who might know what that is. Is you know just the local, well-renowned you know taco place that everybody likes to go. I don't do tacos myself, but you know, hey, I follow along and get some churros and have, churros you know, sit down so and play good. some sit down and just play some magic with some friends and we drafted Kamigawa and everything, you know? So we, I would play nonstop up there with my friends. But as soon as I moved down here, no one in high school was playing magic at the time for me. And then, um, where did we you first down move down to? It was at Tampa. 20, uh, yeah. 2005. Okay. So like I had a store, but the nearest shop was 40 minutes away. What shop so was I that at the time? Uh, Rob's trade caravan. Don't even. Sound yeah, they, they closed a few years after, so they closed in like you know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So, um, I think there were some like health issues or something with one of them, and uh, just some personal issues kind of took a hold of everything. And um, uh, but it was just it was too far for my family to drive me out there on a regular basis. Yeah, nobody was playing with me. Uh, so it just it didn't feel like it was very fun to play. This was also like right when I was getting a job, I wasn't making any money, so like I couldn't play on Magic Online or anything like that. I don't even think I had you know a, a debit card or a credit card right away either. You know, it was just getting my money and throwing it into a check or a savings account. And um, so I, it was just like you know, why am I playing this? So I sold my whole collection. Like I had mm-hmm. nothing. I had some really good stuff in there that I wish I had kept. Um, oh, yeah. Like, I, I had an Alpha Black Vice that was near mint. Ooh, damn. It was crispy. And you know how much I bought that for? How $8. much? $8. How much is it worth now? 
Mm, it's been a few months since I looked, so it's probably higher, but the last time I looked, it was $500. Jesus fuck. I don't even <laughs> want to talk about the time where I bought a Mox Diamond for a quarter. You guys see the price on that card lately? Well, which Mox Diamond? Which, which printing? Stronghold. Stronghold. Oh, God. Have you seen the price on that card lately? No. Probably sad. Like $500, $600. Jesus, fuck. I know. It's... I, I, it's like I'm so tempted to... Like, I've got a playset of Gaia's Cradles from when I played uh, Legacy Elves. And, and those were the only cards I did not want to sell out of the deck. Because it's... They're also very useful in EDH. Um, Have you seen the prices on those? Last I saw, they were like 600 bucks a pop. Oh, they're higher than that. Oh, my God. So, you want to know how much I bought them for? Because this is a couple years ago. I bought them for mm. 150 a pop. Jesus. <laughs> that was a fucking that deal, too. That <laughs> and, and now, like, how much are they now? Probably, like, something stupid. Uh, TCG market price is $652. Jesus, fuck. So, I can make, like, an easy, like, almost three grand like two and a half mm. grand or so yeah but it but it's it's one of those things where i mean i'm in a position now in my life where the money would be really nice but it's not like a life or death thing that i need it mm -hmm. you know what i mean like if it got to a point where i'm just like oh shit i need the money yeah sell it instantly. and that's why i like to keep my cards around too like yeah to get me wrong like me personally like in my life i actually have some debt and that was one of the reasons why, like i sold my cards back then yeah was you know i just need to get you know some money but and i wasn't playing with the cards so it was like eh, fine sure and um uh i just i sold out and but then you know like right now it's like well i'm sitting on a cube that's worth like four grand and yeah an back that's worth like two or three grand um, let's say something bad happens to my car. You know, I can sell those off and just get what I need. You yeah. know, you know, it's kind of like I have fun. It's something I can have fun with, but it's also kind of like an emergency fund if I really need it. Yeah, exactly. Like it. Part part of the reason why I sold out of um, Modern Legacy last year was because it was sort of an emergency fund, freaking. I had to get two trees chopped down or else they were going to fall on my house. Um, right. And then I had to pay for my kid's surgery because, hey, I've got health insurance. That should help cover it, right? Nope. So I had yeah. to pay like two, three grand out of pocket. Like, no, what the I fuck? Know that feels. So, um, it's like, what the fuck's the point of health insurance? <laughs> right. So, but basically what happened, right? Um, so I had sold out all of my cards and then I got into college and yeah. found a whole bunch of people playing in my la school lounge. And so I had just bought, even before I actually ran into them, I had purchased dual decks, Elspeth versus Tezzeret. Oh, I, I remember like, that one, yeah. Like, this seems like a cool pickup. I'll play with my siblings and we'll just kind of have a good time, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's a quick little deck, just a quick little pickup that I could play with my siblings. It's very casual, it's very chill. We'll just have fun, you know? And um, and then my local playgroup started getting involved, and I um, picked up the premium deck slivers. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and so that gave me like a, a nice little thing I could play some 60-card stuff with. But then they quickly introduced me to EDH, 
I'm like, well, I don't have the stuff to do, you know, slippers or anything like that. So, and I know how contentious slippers are in the first place anyway. So it's like, I don't yeah. really want to do that. Yeah. But, because um, I used to play them when I was younger. So I'm familiar with like the attitude that they bring to the table. Oh and, yeah. Oh yeah. And um, uh, so I had bought a bunch of rare repacks to try and kind of like just get some rares to just have some things to do. And the only real legendary that was actually like good, because I got a couple legendaries, but like Skyfire mm-hmm. Kieran, you know, nothing very good. Um, but I got Sekuar, Death, the Death Speaker, the uh, Jund guy from uh, Cold Snap. That like whenever a creature you control dies, you make like a three-one zombie. Okay. Or, okay. Or something. And um, and it was like, it's fine. But they didn't really have the stuff to really make it work, you know, as as a general. Because um, mm-hmm. I was coming back in just in, uh, like right around that time between Rise of the Eldrazi and Scars of Mirrodin. Okay. So like, shards okay. had already been gone for a little bit, so like I couldn't really get the stuff to make Devour work. Yeah. And then yeah. and then I opened. So like I had a deck, but it was kind of just like. This just happens to be my legendary just so I can have a legendary to play with. So, like, it was my first EDH deck, but I don't count it as my first EDH deck. It was a pile yeah. of cards, essentially. Exactly. And then um, Scars have come out. I picked up a few packs, you know, got a few things. I thought it was really cool because I loved Mirrodin from back in the day. Um, you know, I played Affinity in Standard mm-hmm. back then. Um, and... Uh, I picked up one of those uh, Walmart Target three booster pack, uh, blister pack things. Yeah. And in it, there was a Shards of Alara pack. Ooh. And I opened a Sharoom the Hegemon. And I Ooh, went, and nice. the gear started turning. I'm like, wait a minute. I just bought Elspeth versus Tezzeret, where the cards <laughs> in there were in these colors and their artifacts. And oh wait, Shard or Scars of Mirrodin is a thing right now. And so it just kind of like it's it's been a deck that I have had since the beginning of e- me getting into EDH, and it's just slowly evolved over the years. So like it has grown to be like an evolution of just me and how I play the game. That's you awesome. Um, so that's the one I always keep. But like when we were talking about the creativity behind decks and everything. My one other real paper deck is Mathis, the Fiend Hunter. But he's... Um, oh, okay, okay. But it was based on a thing with Aaron Campbell, where she would call me a luck vampire. Oh. And, and it was just a little joke, you know? Yeah, yeah. And what she would say was that I would come into people's streams, suck out their luck, their records would go into the <laughs> shitter, and then I would go and spike a tournament. <laughs> um, hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> right? So I made a Mathis deck that's a luck vampire. Because he is a vampire. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at him and, right now. And the theme around the deck is coin flips. That's gotta be fun. And it is a great time because then you also play because i was looking for things to fill it out mm-hmm. and found um the curses 
Like curses are like for some reason played a lot with Mathis, and it's like, wait, wow, this is actually like really good in here, and it plays off of each other very well because a lot of your coin flip cards are enchantments, so they work really well with curses because That's you're doing like you know enchantment sort of things, and it was just really interesting and really fun. So, like you said, you know, finding ways to get creative with these things, that's just the fun way to do it. And and it, there's just been a lot of concerns that, you know, maybe Watsi is pushing it in a new direction where it's just, you know, it kind of builds itself. I, I can see that, and it definitely can feel that way. And that's going to be a trap that I think people coming into the format are going to fall into. Mm-hmm. Um. And I mean, hell, hell! Look at all the Cascade cards that have been coming out, and oh and freaking. Oh, dog! I heard you like Cascade, so we put Cascade in your Cascade, so you can Cascade while you're cascading. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that 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 Apex Predator or whatever that has mm-hmm. Cascade four times, like. Right, but then you can, but then they have also provided other spells, with other ways to give you Cascade onto that. Right. So you can actually get like five or six Cascade triggers. So it, it it's just ridiculous and, and and then what if you take what if you cast that and then cascade into like maelstrom wanderer cascade cascade on top of four cascades and okay, add, adding another cascade. No, no, <laughs> cascade god it's so ridiculous but um, it, it's and i mean this is to be expected i mean this is now like magic's most popular format like right it, it's for, but for, for what it's worth I think Commander Legends is a hit. I think it's a oh, home run. I, I I bought two boxes. Like I cannot wait. Like I, I I was really close to wanting to buy a case, but I literally I'm getting kind of tired of buying cases of sets because yeah, I, 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 I buy a box. I'm probably gonna actually pre-order my box as soon as I'm off this call. <laughs> <laughs> I I just um opened up a case of Zendikar Rising, and as I'm going through it, I'm like, this might be the last time I ever buy a case, except for the D and D set. Oh my fucking gosh, I gotta buy a case of the D&D set. Mm-hmm. Like, I am so excited about that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I'm super excited for a lot of these. Commander Legends looks exciting. You know, are there some really strong cards? Yes. Oh yeah, of course. You know, I... Jeweled Lotus and Opposition Agent are causing, you know, all kinds of kerfuffles, but it's like, I don't know. Jeweled Lotus isn't I... even that good. I mean, it's a it's an it awesome isn't. card. Like, I love that it's basically a Black Lotus for Commander. Right. right. So here's my take on it. Okay, it's obviously really strong for competitive EDH, and I think oh, a yeah. lot of people who are concerned about the card are looking at it kind of from that vantage point. But realistically, like the majority of the time, you're just not really doing very much with it. If it, you know, you want it in your opening hand, but if it's not really in your opening hand, you draw it like halfway through the game. It's kind of useless. You've probably already cast your commander at that point, and. You know, it, 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 might, could, it might be useful at some point. But it it could help not. you cast your commander tax, essentially, right. right? Um, But you know what it's really good for, I think? I think, and this is, I think, what they were going for, right? A couple things. First off, skirting the reserve list. Everybody hates the reserve list. Watsy hates yep. the reserve list. But they, you know, are struggling to get rid of it. I think they want to get rid of it, and they're trying to get rid of it. But it, it's hard because of, you know, mm-hmm. potential legal reasons and all kinds yep. of other nonsense which you know i'm not gonna sit here and just spout out about that stuff because it's been you know uh re- you know said and reset over and over and over again until the end of time yeah. and i'm not here to you know repeat that you know at ad, ad nauseum 
Um, but, like, um, the other thing is, too, you know, it gives, like, let's say, because a lot of players do just play EDH. Like, you and me, we know what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. We buy our singles because we know what we want to build. And we want to build things creatively and have a good time with it. But, like, you take my brother, who just got back into this, and he's been building EDH cards, EDH decks, for, like, the past four or five months now, mm-hmm. right? He just now is hitting me up to be like, hey, I want to get some singles. How would I do this? But otherwise, you know what he's doing? He's going buying booster packs. He's having yeah. a good time. And what's going to happen is your average player is going to go to Walmart or Target, not even to a local game store because they don't even know local game stores exist. And they're going to go and buy a couple Commander Legends boosters, and one of them is going to open Jewel Lotus and be like, holy crap, did I just open this? Yeah. And it's going to be a huge thing for them. And then on top of that, then they're going to play it, and it's going to lead to some really cool, splashy moments in their gameplay because they're not playing with a, a finely tuned deck they're just yeah. playing it where it's a cool little card you know when i first started playing my first thing was i just had a 150 card deck with just every cool good card thrown into a pile and shuffled it up and played and that's what people are going to do with this and it's just going to lead to really cool splashy moments rather than just being obnoxious and everybody hates it you know, will it cause some groan-inducing moments? Absolutely. Same with of opposition. Course, yeah. yeah. But like, but I think people are just overrating these cards. And like, you're gonna get somebody got with opposition agent once, and they're gonna stop. You know, the other thing I, I yeah. had a problem with opposition agent. Everybody was complaining about it because it's gonna. They're like, well, it's gonna lead to griefing moments. You know, people are gonna grief with that card, and what that means. You know, and then the example I saw was like somebody cracks an evolving wild. And the person goes, ha ha, here's my opposition agent. Of course that could happen. I mean. And, and and it's like, okay, but you know what that really feels like to me, personally? That feels more like um, a, a, a player problem than a card problem. Yeah, you exactly. You don't have to do it like that. It's just somebody wants to do it like that and be that person. Be the asshole, know? yeah. I, I mean, it's it's no different when someone even mind censors you cracking and evolving wilds, right? Right. I know so, it's like the same thing, you know, then people are like, well, what if I play a million tutors? You know, what about, okay, well, then you what's called, it's called evening playing field. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, if you're tutoring for all your best stuff, hey, opposition agent is very fair. Like I said, I run <laughs> numerous tutors in my, in my Sharoom deck. Yeah. Because I do shenanigans things, but it's like, it's a puzzle piece. So you're trying to find all of the pieces for your puzzle that work in such a right way, but also in the interim while you're trying to construct that puzzle, you have to find answers to certain things that your opponents are doing. So it's like you need the tutors here and there, but you're doing it in a way that's varied. You're not always getting yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And um and even and look if somebody did it to me, whatever. You know what that also means then? I just don't use those tutors. You yeah, get exactly. that once and then you just stop playing tutors. You stop playing you if you have a fetch land, you just don't crack the fetch land. Yeah, you know, exactly. It just you just stop doing things until somebody draws a removal spell and kills the opposition agent. That's all. Just like Yasharn, like how you can't, you know, what do, activate artifacts or whatever for that if they aren't mana abilities. Same thing. You just wait until someone removes it. Right. 
So it's, yeah, it's annoying, but it's not the end of the world. I mean, it's, I don't know. Like, like I said, I think what it comes down to is your play group. You know, right. if you have a good group of people to play with, you're going to be fine. But if you're just right. playing with the random assholes with pickup games, I'm sorry. I'm right. That sucks. I've been there. You know, I, that that's why I don't go to LGSs anymore because mm-hmm. I mean, fuck you're in Florida. How many fucking assholes <laughs> are here? I mean, I will say like cool stuff. Inc. and Brandon is one of the best game stores I've been to. They're fantastic. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like cool they, stuff in general is like, they don't really put up with good. shit either. I love it. Yeah. They're, they're they not afraid fantastic. to, they're not afraid I, to kick your ass out. If you're being mm-hmm. a piece of shit, I am very, uh, I will say I am very proud to work for the company I, I work for. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I know a lot of the people involved, you know, I've seen the, how the stores are run. They're run very professionally. Oh yeah. They oh yeah. Look, they're very clean. They're, they look really nice. Like the only store that I think I've ever been to personally that is nicer looking than a lot of these cool stuff stores. Um, Learn to Play was a, a good one. Um, it was the it was in the same exact location as the cool stuff branding location. I don't know if you've ever been to Learn to Play. No, no, I didn't. No, I it, haven't. It pre it pre um so basically they actually scoped out the location where cool stuff brandon is now and cool stuff like the location so much they went and bought it after learn to play moved out oh <laughs> okay cool yeah, is that location where the brandon store is it's great I, i've never been to the one over in an orlando um yeah i've been to a bunch of the cool stuff so i've been to the three that were out here one of them has since closed down actually the one yeah. off by uh, ucf but that's it, it you know it, there's that, that just makes sense with a lot of things that are happening in the pandemic, yeah. frankly. And, um, and also the, uh, uh, obviously the Brandon store, uh, the, the Tampa location for cool stuff. And they're just all very well run. They're very clean. They're very professional. And I think, and, and, from, and it friendly atmosphere too, is the, right. is the good thing. You know, apart from maybe that one time at learn to play when they used to be, cause again, Basically, cool stuff just took it over. Like, yeah. it looked the same way. It looked very clean and it looked very everything. I wouldn't call it necessarily a friendly environment, but it was, you know, a, a nicely put-together store. And it looked very nice and looked relatively professional. And, um, uh, but the only store that I could really say that I think personally, that I've personally been to, that is better than those stores is Mox Boarding House in Seattle. Which is Card Kingdom store? Yeah, I've never. I I, I want to go. I've I've seen the I, pictures. It looks fucking amazing. Seen the pictures, right? Yeah, it, it looks it, amazing. It is, it is as nice as it looks. Yeah, and, the um, I think the only other store that I've been to that I can think of that was really nice. Um, not here in Florida. Um, but it was it was up in Georgia. Like uh, during the uh, when I met you at GP Atlanta again, mm-hmm. um, that night. Like I think it was right before you came up. Um, th- my buddy and I we went to um, was it Gigabyte's Cafe or something or, mm-hmm. and that's that store was, like, holy shit! It was super friendly. Like it was huge. Right. They they had more uh, what was it? I think it was Warhammer or Star Wars players than I've ever seen yeah. before. Um, have you been to Armada? 
Armada games, the, the Tampa yeah. one. I haven't been there in like years, but it wasn't. But it's, like, it's kind of that same thing. Like you'll you'll sit there and play it a wasn't that tournament. Great. It wasn't that and great. And they have, huh? <laughs> I'm saying it wasn't yeah. that great. I did not enjoy yeah. my experience there. Yeah, I've had mixed experiences there. I've had some experiences that are really good and some that are really medium. But the my point there was it's kind of that same thing where yeah. like you sit down, you've got your your magic tournament, but then right next to you, people are playing Warhammer, yeah. Warhammer yeah. you know something like that on uh you know minis and everything yeah but holy shit like that gigabytes cafe was like one of the like the people there were some of the nicest people i've ever met and you mm -hmm. know um that was great but man here in florida it's you know i live right north of tampa we've had some stinker of lgs's here um yeah just i mean yeah you probably know you've probably been to some of the same ones i've been to it's like yeah well obviously we just talked about armada yeah uh, some some of the shitty ones. Um, it's like, God, uh, what, short stops. Have you ever been there? I haven't, I haven't actually been there, but I've heard things. I mean, the store itself is nice, but it's just the group. Kind of, again, that's kind of what I've heard. Yeah, we had that one uh, store. God, I can't even remember what it was called. But there was that one uh, store at the beginning of the pandemic that was like fully letting people in and doing everything, and then like the owner got arrested and was. Uh, Blaming, oh uh, yeah, um, blaming Oz against my rights and everything. And God, what what store? That wasn't short stops, you was know it? What I'm or, talking about? Yeah, I, I know what store you're talking. About. Fuck, I forgot the name of it. Um, because no, short stops is nice looking, but just the the last time I was there was during Battle Bond, and mm -hmm. they had some really shitty people there. And yeah, I'm not gonna kind of just honestly, I'll be real. That's just Florida players in general. Like, I don't yeah. know what it is, but Florida, the Florida magic scene is, like, a bunch of tryhards. And it's it's a bunch of people who are, like, wannabe pros. They think yeah. they're kind of professional, and they're not. They're, like, have you, are you familiar with the Levine Trench? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, like, um, like professionalism and, like, uh, you know, how well DC you are mm -hmm. uh, correlated against, like, how... Uh, how good you are at the game. Yeah, yeah. And there's like, good, 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 you know, noob, you know, getting up there, FNM player, and then it like sinks right down mm -hmm. to the bottom. That's like... Um, it's like the majority of Florida players like, right there. Yeah, and then like, once you actually hit like the actual tier of professional, like you're like actually decent. <laughs> oh, no, no it, it's so true with freaking Florida players and I, I'll tell you some stuff after the show here, but um, yeah, it's just, and and I, and I don't want to make this seem like you know every single Florida Magic player is terrible because I've met some really no. good friends and all that Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely, it's I've, just I've got, there's a lot of great people out here. Oh, oh yeah, it's just the majority, man. It's and and even some of the the people who have stories like um, because I've got some one. horror stories, <laughs> right? Like um, Stephen Mann is a player that like there's i know there's a lot of people out there who like have don't have good things to say about him but a lot of my personal experiences playing against him have been very professional very you know nuanced we thank each other after the games we have some very interesting matches as we're playing we're very respectable to one another it's not just a lot of shit talking trash talking with each other you know yeah, yeah. It, it was very respectable and I, and w again when you're playing against this actual like kind of more like serious players you can really start to see that there's a very like we're in this we, yes we're here to play and like beep and 
play at that higher level of magic, but we're also like, oh, wow, we just had an incredible game. We all can recognize that we had mm-hmm. an incredible game, and we'll sit there and talk about that for like 20 minutes until the next round oh, yeah. starts. Oh, yeah. How great the round was. But then you get to like an FNM and just, oh, boy. Oh, my God. Like, I, I, I got to a point to where I, I got so sick and tired of the FNM tryhards where it's like, you know, I'd bring a new deck to FNM and like, okay, I want to try it out. And you know, like, oops, I made a mistake. Do you mind if I take it back? No, no, yeah. no, you can't do that. I'm like, dude, it's fucking yeah. FNM. You know, but I, but I, if they made a mistake, I, I'd be like, no, you got, you, and they try to take it back. They throw a fucking yeah. shit fit. Yeah. I, I heard a lot of talk about, because Tampa had a very strong legacy scene for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it started in Armada. Armada kind of let it go a little bit, and then it moved over to cool stuff. And then it was a very friendly environment. You know, people brought decks, but it was like everybody kind of did their own thing and had a good time with it. So you could kind of play whatever and learn against each other's decks, and it was a fun experience. But then people realized that people weren't, like, playing at their most serious at these legacy events because they were just trying to be chilling, you know? Yeah. People who have legacy decks are usually functioning adults who are respectful to each other. Right. And that's why, like, you know, there's a you know a lot of legacy players have a rep for being like very elitist. But a lot of times when you actually go to like an Eternal Weekend or some major legacy event, and people are very respectful of each other. They're very yeah. professional. That's always and, been my experience with legacy players. Right, legacy players are great. Even vintage players are like that too. Um, they just want you to have fun. They really just want you to play the format. They want people it. in the format. <laughs> All right. So they want to be fun, you know, making it a welcoming experience. But then what happened was people, some of those tryhard players realized that like everybody was kind of soft. It was kind of soft. And so they finally built, you know, like top tier legacy decks, brought them in, and just curb stomped everybody. And then guess what? People stopped showing up to legacy and legacy stopped happening locally. Yep. So it doesn't that, surprise know, me, you yeah. know. But like, but there's also like that's you know partially why like the southeast Florida region specifically is well known for having like a higher density of judges than like any other area. Oh, At least wow. in like yeah. states, like it, it's a very high density of judges out here. Wow, I didn't know that. That's oh crazy. yeah. Um, and the thing that I I also remember like. So most of my experiences, like in North Florida or not North Florida, but North of Tampa, like Hernando, mm-hmm. uh, Pasco County and some Pinellas. And, um, it's, there used to be a lot of limited players around here too. And I feel like the past couple of years that's died out too. It really has. It, I've done, I've heard a lot of that too. And I, you know, I remember that all the time. I used to go to, do you, did you ever know Anthem games? Anthem games. It sounds familiar. Where was it? It was in like the Tamp, uh, like uh, Northdale area. Okay, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever been there, but I think I know where you're talking about, though. It was like off of uh, Ehrlich Road. Okay, yeah, I I know where you're talking about. I don't, I've never been uh, there. And yeah, it, it went under around uh, the release of Fate Reforged. Yeah, but I had been going there for like four or five years. It was a very enjoyable experience, but. You could always count on draft firing every single week there. Yeah. Um, learn to play, same thing. You could eat draft every single week, always fired. And now it's like, I mean, obviously now nothing's firing because of the yeah. pandemic. But like before the pandemic, like 
drafts just wouldn't fire anymore. Oh yeah, like it'd be impossible to get a draft to fire them. Um, I remember, um, I don't. There, there was a store in Pasco County called Yancey Street Comics, um, oh, and then it, it 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 broke off into what they call E and D Games. Um, mm-hmm. And the the store owner Dave, like pro- probably one of the best guys I know, um, and he um, when I first started going there, like during Return to Ravnica, um, to actually finally play FNM Magic, a a um, they used to have more draft players show up at FNM than standard players. Which mm-hmm. what does that tell you about the limited scene, right? It's um. And then after, what was it? J- just like what you said, like after a while, just started dying out. Like, I don't know what happened. Just, I mean, I know like Battle for Zendikar really killed off a lot of players, like casual players, because of the price tags of just decks were just insane. Mm-hmm. But, oh man, I don't know. It's been, um, it's been crazy. We're almost at two and a half hours here. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> Oh my god, I can't believe that. I, I feel like I haven't even like talked to you about everything yet. Um, I know, right? Um, but I do unfortunately have to end this. Holy shit, 1130. Yeah. Um, yeah, right? It's <laughs> wild. Yeah. It, but at least I think we're having a good discussion, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're going to have to do this again. Um, like I said, if, if, it, like if this was a weekend or something, I'd say, fuck it, let's keep going. But yeah, we're rolling. <laughs> yeah. Let's just go, go, go. But I think this is a good. Yeah. Good part. Going, you know, better to get keep a good way to keep our minds off of it. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, shit. Ho- hopefully, by the time this episode releases, we know more about what the fuck's going on with the whole election and shit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I guess to end with, um, where can people find you if they want to reach out? Uh, find me on Twitter at the uh, the Maverick Gal. And that is uh, normally you can find me everywhere else as the Maverick Girl. So you, if you Google me or if you look at me up on YouTube and search the Maverick Girl, you'll find me. But um, but for some reason, somebody had taken that handle on Twitter, so I have to make do with what I got. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can also follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the Maverick Girl. I am currently taking a hiatus from uh, a lot of video content, but with a lot of what's going on, I'm probably going to be playing some non-magic games on stream soon, just as a way to kind of chill out and decompress with the, uh, you know, anxiety of 2020 happening on, you know. Yeah. So just just a good way to chill out. Um, That's what I've been trying to do at least once a week. Like, yeah, I, I've been playing I, Legend of Zelda. Frankly, if I wasn't here with uh, Zuby uh, doing this uh recording i would probably be streaming sonic adventure 2 battle i was intending to do that yesterday okay and it just just didn't pan out so um just something nice chill having a good time if you want to come hang out and do that eventually i'll start doing magic content again but i am just not currently in the um mental health state to really go hard as hard at as i want to do when i'm producing the content you can also find my articles every wednesday with uh, occasionally a few other times. Uh, by the time this may have gone out, I may have actually done a couple of weeks. I may have done a few weeks where I have multiple articles in a week. I just, Commander Legends has me thinking about a lot of things. So I want to actually uh, talk about a lot of different things. Yeah, and, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at your articles right now, the Advanced Jumpstart or the Jumpstart yeah. Cube. I am I never even thought of that. I'm going to run with that, make my own like sort of mm-hmm. arena Jumpstart Cube. That's yeah, so going to be fucking I, awesome. 
so every, yeah every wednesday i have stuff up on coolstuffinc.com today i have like just now today it is uh november 4th is when we're recording this mm-hmm. um but i have up the uh, advanced jumpstart the cult of practice which again covers yeah. the um uh jumpstart stuff i've been talking about but like the last four weeks i did is it league uh house demir the orzov syndicate and the azorius senate um and i talk about other things too like i mentioned like i so my other five articles prior to that were the following the problem with the walking dead secret lair which we didn't talk about at all here not oh one. yeah that's <laughs> right it's, I'm, um, I'm so over it <laughs> <laughs> um Introducing Advanced Jumpstart and Jumpstart Cube, which is kind of like the introduction to yeah. the Advanced Jumpstart ideas that I presented in these newer articles. The Zendikar Rising Popper Review, so I talk a lot about Popper when it's relevant. Mm-hmm. Five blocks that deserve the uh, remastered treatment, because this was right after they announced Time Spiral Remastered. And then Flinging Atogs with Popper Affinity. So like a little Popper deck tack. Love that, yeah. So, you know, I just cover a lot of things. I've also been doing a lot of EDH stuff. You're going to find me doing some more Commander content soon with Commander Legends. I really want to talk about, um, I want to do a deck list with uh, Kamal and Jessica. That, I was actually cool. a very big fan of Odyssey, Odyssey and Onslaught block. Mm-hmm. As you might actually see behind me, I actually oh, have yeah, I see Odyssey him. block books right there <laughs> on my bookshelf. So, um, you know, I, I was a big fan of that era. That was when I really, really got into uh, the lore. So I really want to do stuff with that. And there's other things, too. Like, we got Hans. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. You can't tell me to not rule zero partner onto Hans and Safi. Right. You just can't. You you have to. Like, (laughs) it's... I I, I don't make the rules. (laughs) I, I, I love that they finally gave Hans a card. Um, so you, you and, mean Fafranov a card? <laughs> per, well, I was thinking more um, Chris Van Meter. It looks closer to that. Yeah. I, a bit, bit of both. Um, to Chris, by the way. Just had a baby. Yeah, I know. I saw that. Congrats on that. It's absolutely adorable. Um, so, yeah. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, I, I will ask you know, just as a little side jab, your Walking Dead article doesn't mention creating your own format and then creating your own Discord for that format. Oh my and- god. <laughs> I think my article went out before the whole Captain debacle. God. Um, anyway, so. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank god, you. I, I completely forgot about Walking Dead until you brought it up, so. Um, it yeah, was like the, kind of in the back of my mind. I thought about like, are we gonna hit this? Are we gonna touch this? I, I, no. Okay. Like, like I, said, I, I completely. For, I'll be honest. I completely forgot about it. Like, and I'll just say, take us off in another little, uh, brief little discussion thing here, real quick. That's what I said about Jeweled Lotus. You know, everybody was losing their mind about Jeweled Lotus and um, Opposition Agent. Opposition Agent was the other one, and everybody's like losing their mind about how busted Opposition Agent was and how it's gonna ruin everything. And I'm like. Uh, didn't we just have this discussion like three weeks ago with Walking Dead? Yeah, we literally just had this discussion. How that was was going to ruin Magic completely and uh, I don't think Magic's ruined. I'm still playing it. I'm still having fun with it. (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah, of course. 
I okay. actually ran into Walking Dead cards in Legacy. I was like, it was weird, but I played it and we still had a good time. <laughs> yeah. How about all that energy that people spend on getting mad at magic where they actually spend it on something relevant like, hey, let's try to fix the uh, foundations of our country and um, get rid of racism, bigotry and all that other shit. You know, oh, yes. let's put some energy into that. Nope, <laughs> we're not going to. We're going to complain that Watsy wants to make money as a normal company should. Right. Okay. And because that was my old thing. <laughs> I, I had a knee jerk reaction that, like, wow, I hate this. Oh, and yeah. then I kind of just left it at that. But then I wrote this article because, you know, what was happening was like, what everybody had their own reason for being mad. And so what you had is you had a lot of people looking at it from the inside or from the outside in and they're like, I, they were like, I can't make heads or tails of what's going on. <clears throat> so I was like, I'll just write an article actually explaining it for someone who doesn't know what's a, going on and why this is a big deal. Yeah. And so like, it kind of like covered all the bases, sort of. No, I'll, I'll definitely read it. Um, it's like I read so many secret layer takes on it, saw so many videos, and the the two people. I, I tried to be pretty level headed with it. I I, I I was definitely pretty heated. Like the two videos I definitely trashed were professors and Mitch's videos on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like their immediate takes weren't that great, especially Mitch's take. It's just like oh, Mitch's is rough. And I, uh, I, I I understood where he was coming from, but yeah. Like, he presented in such a rough way. Professor, I was a little more in agreements on with the problems of it, but I think it was definitely a lot, a little uh, doomsday in a way. Yeah, I, I didn't really like that. And and just to reiterate, I've said this before on the show, even on Magic for Normies, I do not like this. I do not plan on supporting this, but it's not the end of the freaking world. It's no. like the, the, these aren't cards that, or, oh my gosh, we have to have them in order to play Magic. No, it's not the case. Yeah. Um, there, there used to be um, a website called Is Today's Announcement Going to Kill Magic.com? And oh, well, is there? It's, it's, it's down now. Like, it, for some reason, it just went down. I'm, I'm guessing somebody put it together as like a joke kind of thing. And yeah, then, probably. Uh, ran, it just ran out of their domain or whatever. But, um, and it used to be like, is it is today's announcement going to kill magic? And you would open it up and it says no. <laughs> and I'm like, that's pretty well defining of the situation here or with the Walking Dead thing, as well as with, you know, Commander Legends. Sure, yeah. we're getting busted stuff here, but you know what? Your average player is going to pick this stuff up and have a grand old time with oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and think- as far as all, the, and what really pisses me off is, you know, there's been some stuff that's come to light with Watsy like this year, like especially mm-hmm. with in terms of like bad hiring practices and, you know, a lot of internal issues. Like there was that whole Orion Black. Was, is it Orion Black, the guy yeah. from D&D? Um, uh, they're, they're non-binary, I believe. OK, OK. Um, so they were they ex- described their experience of what it was like working there, yada, yada. And, and I think it's been no secret that Watsi's hiring practices have not been the greatest. I mean, you, you go and look at job reviews on like glassdoor.com and just see, it doesn't sound like the best place to work. Um, nope. And, and maybe it really depends on the position that you work in too. Um, right. I mean, and that's like every company, right? I mean, every right. company has the shitty positions and, but, so I mean, hey, frankly, you know, I love my job. There's things I could say about it that aren't th- that I don't oh, yeah. like, but you know what? For the most part, I enjoy it. But you know, uh, for 
as much as I like it, and so, you know, someone else likes it a lot, you got another person that's out there just screaming about how awful the company oh, is. Oh, yeah. Like, that, that's with any company. That, that's that, with any company. Exactly, exactly. So when that really came to light, and especially like during the height of the George Floyd protests oh, yeah. and all that, it's like I'm. I was hoping, like, holy crap, you know, maybe something will happen, you know. And what does Watsy end up doing? Just banning some racist cards, and yeah, um, and, and 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 they change um how orcs and drow elves operate in D anD D, and I'm like, that's literally nothing literally nothing and Mm -hmm. and what pisses me off with like the whole social media sphere is that that's such a hot topic for like a week or two and then oh oh look brand new shiny stuff and everybody fucking forgets about it i mean i I think we're all guilty of that especially as content creators like we want to talk about the new shiny shiny shit but we Mm -hmm. should also really remember to hold accountable for their actions as well for that shit too and also realize that hey as quote-unquote bad you know standard maybe and how Mm -hmm. cards are being printed out that are bad it's you know still don't forget you know racism bigotry sexism whatever other stuff i'm forgetting um still exist out there and um just do your best to not be a piece of shit human right and (laughs) it you know um i i mean i had a thought in there (laughs) i just totally no, it's okay. Blanked on it. It's um, okay. Uh, but you know, I, I remember now. It's like the the people that want to actually, um, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of people at Watsy who just really do care about these things. Kind of can't talk about it as much as they would like to. They so they either can't talk about it or they have no power. Right. To it. It's a corporate level thing rather mm-hmm. than the people who work there. You know, so it's it is what it is. But anyways. Uh, we're getting a little too far off where we, I was yeah. you know, just talking a little bit about <laughs> stuff there. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So we'll end it there. Oh, shit. Like I said, I could keep going. I could keep going here. Right. I could um, keep going all night. <laughs> all right. No, no, we'll have to do this again for sure. Maybe not wait two years, um, for yeah. it. it. It's been, I've been meaning to get you on, but then I've just had so many other people come on and just, it's been, it's been a whirlwind. It's, it's been a year. Yeah, for sure. But, um, thank you again for coming on. Um, always awesome to chat with you um and i hope you have a great night and stay safe out there you as well and you all out there as well stay safe be well yes take care of yourself and your loved ones especially right now with all of the things happening in the world yeah exactly well said all right good night everybody have a great night Hey, everybody. Thank you all for listening and watching. I hope you all enjoyed it out there. Um, It was great talking with her again. We haven't had her on the podcast in two years, and I need to make sure um, we get her on again sooner because it was a lot of fun. It's just, like I said, two and a half hours went by like that. It was insane. Um, I can't believe it went by that long, and I could have kept going. So hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, make sure to check out her stuff and her articles and that jumpstart cube she's talking about. Oh my God, I'm going to run with that and I want to build one now. I don't know why it never even crossed my mind, but it's an awesome, awesome idea. I'm going to try to figure out how to build a arena jumpstart cube deal thing. Um, so yeah, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. So thank you all for listening, watching again, and hope you all have a great night and stay safe out there.